Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on today's episode, it's two of the three sequelizers, Jack Chambers and Matthew Stogden. Jack and Matt were kind enough to come on board the podcast and share their love of comic books. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Isn't that all just superheroes and capes? Well, you'd be wrong. This podcast really highlights that there's so much to the world of comics, more than just superheroes. And I have to say, it's an amazing conversation. It's by far the longest one I've ever done, but it's certainly jam-packed with amazing information, great recommendations, and tons of enthusiasm and passion for the subject, which is what we love here at Fundamentals. Two quick things to note just before we get into the episode. One, my audio is very echoey. Uh, it was a very simple mistake I made on my end, but you can still hear me and it doesn't really matter. Jack and Matt both sound amazing, which is probably the more important thing here. Uh, and the other thing is, I think I mentioned towards the end of the episode that this is episode 50. Turns out I can't do maths. That's actually the next episode that's coming up. But still, this is an incredible one nonetheless, and I cannot wait to share it all with you guys. So without further ado, let's just get straight into the episode. This is Comic Books with Jack Chambers and Matthew Stogden. Hello, Jack and Matt, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Hey. Hey, Ali. Thanks for having us. No, oh. pleasure's all mine, guys. So I'm really excited to have you guys on the show to talk about something that I think your listeners will know is quite close to your heart because it's something that comes up a lot in your show, and that is comic books. So I guess mm. to, to kick us off, I want to know what were your introductions to the world of comic books? I've definitely talked about it on the show before. My introduction was through some of the 90s cartoons that introduced me to the concept of comic book characters. So uh -huh. the 90s Spider-Man TV show and the Batman animated series Classics. were, you know, me being born in 1990, they were like the thing around in my childhood. So it's like, that makes sense. And I was totally introduced to, oh, funnily enough, two of the most popular comic book characters <laughs> in the history of fiction. Like, yeah, you know, why, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I started going to kind of like local news outlets like, oh, my dad would go and collect a newspaper. I'd go and ask if I could get one of the little Spider-Man things, whatever issue was out. It was some like British reprint of some old 80s rubbish, probably, <laughs> no, <laughs> knowing the, the news outlets over here in, in England at the yeah. time. And yeah, I started reading Spider-Man was my first kind of real introduction to to comics. And then I think I branched out as I got to, you know getting outside of DC Comics and Marvel Comics and kind of looking up other stuff as I got a bit older. But I definitely started... It's a very typical, stereotypical kind of intro to comics. Like, oh, I first read Spider-Man as a kid. Like, yeah, well, well, so did everyone, Jack. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's also a, bit of a product of where we're from and our age, respectively. Because I think... Yeah. The, the, I mean, in the way... It's almost hard to picture now if someone like is in their teenage years listening to the show and thinking... I don't get it. You just order it online. You see all this stuff, and it's all available digitally. It's all it's like delivered direct to me by Amazon. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah. What was available was to thing. you uh, in terms of like the range of availability, and also the places you could go, the niche places to get these things, um, was very very difficult to really nail down. And on top of that, you had the fact that in the nineties, um, comics were going through a very weird dark time. So 
just to, to answer the question, my introduction was technically things like the Richard Donner Superman film and mm. the Tim Burton Batman movie and uh-huh. then later the animated TV series and same thing to Jack. I'm thinking I want to, you know, have more of these stories and not really be able to get a hold of them. Yeah, prints and things. I mean, I remember cartoon strips in newspapers sort of thing. That was the equivalent. But seeing actual comic books, as we understand, the very American version of a comic book, uh, the British reprints were very, very different um, through Panini or whatever it was at the time. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, well, edgier sort of preteen 12 13 so i was like i'm gonna read like this judge dread comic and punisher and stuff and all these I, very i went straight to judge dread as well yes yeah because <laughs> again it's what was available it was one thing 2000 ad was something that was actually available in this country because obviously it's a british uh publication and mm. then i pivoted hard at 15 into manga or manga um mm. and then Matt, matt's was... weeb fundamental substance if you didn't already know <laughs> big old weeb um and then went straight back to uh, in the early 2000s with um with uh, sort of mainstream American comics, partly because, as I mentioned before, the 90s with this weird time of like, oh my God, all these studios are going bankrupt. We're just selling off all the rights to the stuff. Everything is really problematic. We'll just throw what works at the wall and nothing's really sticking. There's so many upsets in terms of comic book storylines. There are very few 90s storylines people actually like for that reason. Yeah. And then in the 2000s, somewhere like, we're going to do so many rewrites and refreshes and reworkings of said worlds and they just jumped on back again there and it soared to immense heights because of the films like spider-man x-men all these things building momentum and suddenly people like wanting to get into i like these movies i want to read the comics Mm. and that sort of thing yeah and you know what's interesting about that i I feel like that says a lot about the staying power of the characters and Mm. almost already feels like we're getting to the essence of why these things have become so huge and influential in pop culture even to today and have so much sustaining mm-hmm. power it's because as you said you can see a version of them on the big screen or on the small screen and especially when you're at a certain age it captures the imagination right yeah i mean like what you guys said uh particularly yourself jack I, i'm similar like i grew up watching the spider-man the x-men the batman cartoons and being like oh i want more of this and then any, <laughs> anything you can get you'll just pick up and read because you just want to get lost in those worlds right and and mm. go on adventures mm. with these people and these characters yeah, yeah and you're also that age where you think to yourself i like this therefore i'm going to passionately follow this to death i'm going to in fact go <laughs> so I, far i still as to do that my... in my 30s <laughs> i find a thing and i'm like oh i'm reading all the things i'm watching all the things yeah, yeah. but we, we it, and i know it's quite a, a, a semi-toxic thing to do but it's 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 a bit of you know vulnerability a bit of earnestness for me here a lot of people I know, and myself included, did this. We say, like, I'm going to shape my entire life around this publication that I have no control over. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and it's like, and what you're doing right. is you're, you're, you're sort of, you know, you're projecting Matt, Matt yourself on stories. Superman chest tattoo. Like. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any comic book tattoos, but I'm wearing a Green Lantern ring right now. So. <laughs> I've been nice. wearing it for like, oh my God, I've been wearing it for like nearly 10, 15 years. So wow. yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so... You, you take what you want from comic books or things because the thing is they reinvent themselves so often in so many different forms mm. that you just piece you know uh, cherry pick the best elements of it effectively right mm. yeah i i'd happen to agree with that and if we're being vulnerable um i don't mind revealing that all of my gym shirts are superhero shirts that i went and got online <laughs> yeah you know i think some inner child part of me wants to believe that 
when I'm trying to bench press, the power of Superman will save me. Or you want to look like Henry Cavill, yeah. right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though, you know, I never will, but still. <laughs> I think there's some part of me that wants to. <laughs> I think you're right. And I think that's the whole... I mean, there is an argument, I mean, very much like a Grant Morrison thing. Uh, right. I think Alan Moore said the same sort of stuff, where the idea that superheroes are effectively the same thing as the Greek pantheon of gods, except not a right. full of full-on yeah. religion, but they are um fables and stories with which we can draw inspiration and all, all sorts of stuff to to get us through our day or our lives and the thing is it used to be just for children and mm. then you've got this infantilization of millennials and upwards and parts of gen x and stuff um and the idea that's like well we're not going to move on so we might as well just keep doing these things and keep enjoying these things and i'm yeah. gonna you know it's, it's a legitimate form of um of, of something to support and, and enjoy basically yeah, I think that's something Grant Morrison has touched on throughout their career. Like, mm. obviously, doing a book called Super Gods, where they analysed right. the history of comic books and the influence that superheroes have had. But mm. I think you're totally right there. They're the modern myths, right? The yeah. the yeah. fact that, and you touched on it earlier, Harley, as well. Kind of the fact that you can see, you can play a video game of a Spider-Man on PS4 and soon to be PS5 with Spider-Man Two, and mm. then read a different version of Peter Parker in a comic book and then a different version in spider-man into the spider-verse which is an animated movie then mm -hmm. go and see the 90s animated show or spectacular spider-man or ultimate spider-man which is another comic book or the main marvel 616 <laughs> universe which is the prime marvel universe that's the main comic book universe for listeners who mm -hmm. aren't switched on to marvel comics there's a million different versions of peter parker there's a million different versions of clark kent and bruce wayne and all these different characters like the three big comic book characters are good mm. examples there because mm. they can be interpreted in so many different ways by so many different people and even introducing we'll get on to this more kind of probably in the second half but like mm. legacy characters and stuff like that we're already seeing that now in the marvel cinematic universe we're kind of getting that second generation of we've already had one captain marvel here's ms marvel we've had one mm. captain america yeah. now sam wilson falcon is taking up the mantle of becoming the new captain america after steve rogers the original captain america mm. stepped away went on his own different path and all that kind of stuff and that the lasting legacy of those characters even if it's just a title speaks to so much of how you know they kind of transcend themselves in that way there's just like captain america started off as this propaganda thing he's you know yeah, early yeah. issues is him punching hitler and stuff like yeah, it, it's yeah. not subtle and ignoring the fact that we still have people being like, keep your politics out of my comic books in the tw in the 21st century. Like, uh, yeah, Captain America yeah, yeah. is one of, the, one of the most political characters ever made. Like, his name's yeah. Captain America. Like, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. I, do I don't understand what you're complaining yeah. about here. But yeah, I think mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, as we become less and less directly tied to like myths and stuff, like pe people read Greek myths and all this kind of stuff, and we call them myths. But it was right. a religion back then. People believed in Zeus mm. and, and you know, Hercules and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And we have that now where people, like you said, Matt, people define themselves by like, oh, I'm a Batman guy. I don't yeah. know about, I don't know about you know, what, you a Superman guy? Who are you? Like, I'm, I don't hang out with Superman people. I'm a Batman person. People mm. take it very seriously and really like get tattoos and define themselves by it and and get really diehard fans of particular characters and stuff like that and mm. i think yeah the fact that we're seeing such a big influence on pop culture a touch of the marvel cinematic universe obviously being the most profitable thing mm -hmm. in the history of cinema basically yes. and 
30 something entries so mm. far which is basically unprecedented again in the yeah. hundred plus year history of cinema mm. it's this mad thing where you know if you'd told me as a kid when i was reading those rubbish little british reprints of spider-man comics <laughs> in the early 90s by the way when you're in your 30s this will be the biggest thing in the world and do you know what 1.6 billion is <laughs> not really that's how much money it's gonna make oh wow <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they are, they do have a lot of complexity to them, and they always have. But in truth, at the very baseline element of what comics are, they're based essentially fabulistic morality tales. They right. they all. I mean, even if you go into sort of, uh, I mean, well, obviously we're we're currently talking superhero stuff. We'll probably branch out to other bits and pieces in a minute because yeah. the, the classic myth is that it's all capes. It's like mm, yeah. no, that's one genre of it. That's one medium, yeah. part of the medium. Um, you get horror comics and other bits and pieces and, and um, supernatural sci-fi all kinds of things basically what, and same wh- with the, whatever the there is in the same way that films aren't made for kids yeah, and right. books aren't made for kids but there are children's books but there are also yeah. as you said horror books and, yes. and thrillers and crimes and biopics and biographical pieces and memoirs mm-hmm. and all this mm-hmm. stuff. the same is true in comic books graphic novels and comic books is just another medium to tell a story Yeah, so yeah. anything animated is always assumed to be for children and right. Go and, watch, you ever go watch... and watch Invincible. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> on Amazon, yeah. on Amazon Prime. Like, yeah, <laughs> there, there are so many examples of um, themes that adults um, want to talk about that are massively inappropriate for children, or just yeah. beyond their reading level. At the end of the day, I'm not insulting kids. Nothing. Like, no, no, no. no. Mm. You, there's a complexity you will get, but you will get to it at some point. You will get here's the on ramp. What read these things, and sometimes we get a bit too wound up with that. Sometimes studios mm. can get a bit too. Um, or publishers, I should say, hyper focused on that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like we need really dark, gritty stuff. It's like, is there a single Spider-Man book at the minute for a child? It's like, it, w- you mean like a twelve-year-old? No, I mean like a four-year-old or a five-year-old <laughs> who wants to be spider go and yeah. fly around the room. It's like, oh no, we don't have one of those. Then you're kind of making a mistake. You should have one for everybody who's going to be yeah. an audience, but just from a, right. you know, from a business point of view as well. And it's the classic quote from Stan Lee that every comic book is somebody's uh, first comic book. Like he, that yeah. was his mentality when he was creating a lot of the Marvel characters yeah. in the sixties and and doing mm-hmm. that kind of. The reason we didn't have these kind of long, ongoing, epic sagas that we now do have in films, TV shows, comic books, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Every issue was kind of a standalone. Spider Man's doing something cool and he's fighting a villain. He fights, yeah. beats the villain in twenty pages, and then next week mm-hmm. he's going to be fighting someone else, and it'll be a slightly different story yeah. and all that kind of thing. Because he wanted them to be entry level things. He yeah. wanted. If if you like me as a kid, if you stumbled into a you know a newspaper shop or a, your local supermarket or whatever it is, you know, I know they have them in like WalMarts in America and stuff like that, and you get those little comic spinners near the checkouts, and your your parents are trying to buy the the groceries for them for the month or for the week, and you get that like, can I get a comic book, please, mom? Like I'd like to buy a comic book. <laughs> like okay, yeah, fine, shut up, keep you keep you happy, kid. Mm. And yeah. you don't know what that's reading. Be. Yeah, exactly. But you don't know what that's going to be. That's going to be issue 565 <laughs> of Spider-Man. It's like, do I need to read all 564 previous issues to understand mm. what's going on here? Maybe. And that's <laughs> and that's important because that mentality when comics became this long arc, effectively, in the same way that old serial stuff in newspapers, you like you know the Count of Monte Cristo uh, yeah. several hundred years ago was published in newspaper 
you know, weekly serials, as it were. Um, and then it was collected into a book. And it was paid right. per words why it rambles on so much because while it's really good, <laughs> it's designed, you're, you're being paid by words. You want to drag out the story as long as possible. Um, but It was very, yeah. very, very, very long. It's like, okay, yeah, you need to see, I, see yeah. What you, I see what you're doing there. A couple more francs there. Um, <laughs> but um, it, the t- TV did the same thing. We did this on, the, on our podcast on our X-Files episode. TV did the same thing where the idea, as, as Jack said about the the Stanley mindset of someone's comic is their first one. The same way like television. What's the basic premise of the show? Uh, people are on a big spaceship and they fly around and they meet new alien races. Great. I don't need to know where I'm in the story. I just know the crew is here. Bang, I'm in Star Trek. Yeah. Um, what's this about? Every week there's a new crime and we have to solve what it is. Or every week there's a new, you know, a person falls off a, a quarry site and there's like, dun, 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 dun. now we have to go to the hospital and find out how to fix them. Very easy to get in and out of. It's only mm. recently in the last 20, 30 years we started to say, I want these characters to develop. And ah, but if that's the case, then it's I need the to jump on for episode one. Serialization of fiction and media, right? Precisely. Like that's become such a big thing. Yeah. And films think, did the same thing because yeah. it was the idea yeah. that sequels... We've now got that with of, MCU. <laughs> yeah. And we do a, of our podcast on, on, on sequelizers. One of the reasons sequels is almost, almost universally quite terrible is because they're a cash-in a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, do I have to have seen the first three films to get this? And the answer was always, nah, it's fine. Jason's going to turn up and slash a load of kids. That's all you need to know. Great, thanks. And then, right. then you know, whittle down to a niche audience who cared about that. Whereas mm. now it's like, can I just watch Avengers Endgame? No, you cannot. I mean, I mean you can, 20, but you don't get, physically you don't can, yeah. get like yeah. any of the context or relationships of the last no. decade, yeah. 15 years of yeah. what's been going on. Yeah. You don't no, have to watch no, nothing will mean anything to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you don't have to watch all of those things necessarily. Yeah. There are certain things you can pick and choose, but at the same time, right. you still need to have a very key sort of base understanding. And, and comics is, is, I think, one of the strongest examples of that of the last... Yeah. Well, probably since about... Yeah, the 80s, 70s onwards, then you start to get these proper long story arcs coming out, these nar- narratives that keep mm. going. I think that that really kicked off in like 1986, which is a mm. big year in comics. Okay. Again, yes. tr- trying to like introduce the listeners here if you're not aware Frank of the, like, Miller. Frank Miller, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, Dark, the Dark Knight Returns, which is right. sort of what Batman v Superman was ish based on in certain places. Um, mm. That a big influential Batman story of an older Batman coming back, kind of from from the dead, from retirement, and kind of setting up this whole final conflict with the Joker and this whole big thing. Mm-hmm. And also Watchmen happened in 1986. <laughs> like, two of the biggest, most influential comic books mm. ever happened in the same year. Granted, Watchmen was an yeah. ongoing series, and so they spanned into 1987, but they both started in 1986. I think yeah. you're totally right, Matt, that that kind of kicked us into... That's what most people consider, like, the modern era of comics is okay. 1986 onwards. You have things like, oh, this. you hear phrases like the Silver Age and the Golden Age of comic books, and use the same to to put it in our perspective for sequelizers there's like the golden age of hollywood when we talk about movies and stuff like that L- ongoing fiction and media has these periods of time where certain influences and certain political things around the world are influencing them or that the actual mm. economy around that industry is changing and i think it's fairly again i'm i'm speaking on behalf of the entire comic book community just because because i'm here on a podcast basically being like, yeah, that, that, yeah. that's the modern what's the modern era of comic books right guys but from what i've read and and from what i understand that is kind of considered the onset of kind of the modern what we understand transitioning from the more kind of stanley influenced kind of campy kind of stuff in this 50s 60s 70s 
into the mid 80s and then mm. the more mature stuff that's a batman story that has swearing and guns and violence and mm. also weird nudity that i won't get into on this show <laughs> and <laughs> interesting why... deep themes and like mm. socio-political commentary and stuff that again me reading it as like a nine-year-old i would have no idea to be like batman's yeah. in a cool suit and he's punching and kicking the joker yeah yeah and yeah. in the, that's why it's about the 90s being this sort of free-for-all because a lot of studios were losing money and all these things were happening. But, but more importantly, it was like, right, people want grit and dark stuff. And like with the X-Men, we're going to have like Cable. And he's going to have 50 pouches and huge guns. <laughs> what do we do with the Fantastic Four then? Who? Oh, well, like, you know, Marvel's first family. You got, you know, Stretchy Man and Invisible Woman and oh, yeah. and Man on Fire. It's like, cool, cool, cool. How do we make that gritty? And and then they you see what they're doing with it and thinking, this is not landing for anybody. The the long standing fans are thinking this isn't working. I mean, for example, Daredevil, it's one of my favorite characters, well, it's my single favorite character, not my favorite book necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Miller again, uh, there was a whole storyline, again, eighties, eighties uh, six, seven there sort of time, where uh Daredevil went from being this swashbuckling fun um guy swinging around New York and he's a bit of a bit of a playboy. Um, to my girlfriend is doing porn and she and is now a heroin addict yeah. and she's to get the next hit she's selling daredevil's Ooh. identity to kingpin and it's like this wow. is this this is a thing that like, a couple of years ago would have been for children and it's yeah, just it's yeah. a, such a, i don't think it's a, they're great stories some of the best stories that those um born again is a, an amazing story it is yeah. but it's again reading week by week if you were like going in a chronological order that would be such a sort of um, tonal whiplash sort of situation. Oh, can ima- you can imagine a ten-year-old, "Mummy, what's heroin? Yeah. <laughs> what, exactly. What's this? What, what are well, you reading?" It was all that sort of 1980s Reagan war on drugs kind of thing. So it was it was ah. very much driven into like even on like TV with like GI Joe, you'd have to, like don't do drugs. So it was kind yeah. of of the era, but doing it in a sensible way. But as I say, that then in the 90s you got other things like uh, Dark Horse and other studios come up who were like actually. We've got some very interesting stories. What's about? Yeah, that, that was kind of the birth of independent comics as we know it now. Yeah. And yeah. independent meaning not Marvel and not DC, basically. Because right. even even if the listeners out there have never read a comic book in their lives, you've probably heard of DC being Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, mm-hmm. etc., the Justice League, yep. all that kind of stuff. We've had plenty of movies and TV shows about that. And then Marvel, like we're talking about Spider-Man, the Avengers, X-Men, all that kind of stuff as well. But you mentioned Dark Horse there, Matt. You've got Image mm. Comics in the early 90s as well. And Vertigo, which was DC, but not. Yeah, <laughs> and I was exactly going to go into that. Like Marvel and DC saw that that was happening, and they mm-hmm. created these like little sub-brands called imprints where mm. we can go off and do the the violent stuff, the sweary stuff, the sexy stuff, and be like, oh. Mm. Punisher says the F word in this, and he, he you instead of like yeah. him shooting people and them going, ah, oh no, I've been shot. He like violently shoots them, and it's like, oh, we call this Punisher Max. It's like this yeah. is the hardcore cool stuff for cool mm. kids. Like, yeah, okay. But you did get some really, really impressive. Vertigo, especially, is one of the greatest examples of it because it works perfectly because you got Hellblazer and Sandman and Why the Last um, Man. Yeah, exactly. There are so many things that like this is astonishingly good. Um, sort of you know more mature stories the problem is like anything if you're putting a lot of your attention into one thing and failing another part it doesn't really seem to land so yeah mm-hmm. but 2000s things started to balance out and i think that's like anything there'd be these cycles where kids who would grow up reading these comics were the people who were becoming movie head 
sort of studio producers and yeah. in charge of writing these comics. So suddenly it's like, you know what? I actually want to fix this. This is a character <laughs> I really yeah. love that they kind of ruined in the nineties. I want to fix this. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's strange constant transitional thing uh, that's endured for. I mean, think about like you know the earlier comics being around in the um the thirties and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's it's very surreal to think we're coming up with like a near, arguably nearly ninety hundred years of comics. Uh, mm-hmm. in, yeah, in we've the, had the Superman and Batman celebrate their eightieth anniversaries recently. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're getting pretty close to that hundred year stuff. And like you said, they're not the first comic book characters. They just happen to be the ones that were kind of big mm-hmm. in pop culture now that we're aware of. But comic books go back into the funnies and the newspapers and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? It's I find it fascinating. I've watched a bunch of like YouTube documentaries about the history of comics, and like you said, I I'm similar. I didn't realize how far back it goes. And something, mm. as you say, you take Superman and Batman. I think are good examples because they're arguably two of the biggest of all time and the most recognizable. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the vast majority of us didn't realize just how far back it went, you know, and where they all began. And that whole thing about, as you said earlier, them a lot of people assume that they're for children. It's Particularly the early Batman stuff, when you read it, like you've actually look into what some of the first comics, his first stories were about. They're all about crime. I mean, it's detective comics, you know, it's yeah. noir stuff. It's the not clues for in the children. name, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the thing as well, because it was always just accepted as a form of reading. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you would get people who were joining up in World War II, like, you know, uh, in their late teens, early 20s, mm-hmm. um, who would be talking and reading comics effectively yeah um and then it more more um uh educated students talking about books and it's like no it's all reading it's all the same thing and you'd get a bit derision and so on and so forth like oh, i like dick tracy comics that kind of thing right. um and it's the the the, the sign of maturity is you should stop reading those now and that mm. sort of has always been you know enforced and passed down from generation to generation until very recently where it's like just do what you like there's, there's yeah things for- <laughs> I, I think that's true for us on our generation i know there is you know a range of ages here on the show but like talking about yeah. how us being kind of kind of coming of age in the millennial being millennials ourselves like coming through and being like yeah you can be a nerd in your in your adult years like you can carry on playing video games and talking about mm. science fiction and co- reading comic books into your adulthood and it's way more accepted now than it was back then even though as you mm. rightly said Harley a lot of the stuff was like is this meant is this meant for kids are we sure mm. like this is yeah. and it was it, the times were so different back then you're talking like early 40s late 30s like 80 years ago thinking about mm. how different the world was then you mentioned world war Two, matt perfect example mm. of how well we're possibly about to go into world war three but the less we talk about that the better <laughs> um but yeah it's such a different world it's such a different way of understanding and, and even like we talked about having online access to stuff now we are children of the internet i remember mm. a time before the internet but my entire adult life i've had the internet pretty much like it's a, yeah. it's a yeah. that instant access that instant availability mm-hmm. to basically thanks to things like comicsology and some of the like marvel unlimited and stuff like that you have mm-hmm. every issue give or take of marvel has ever produced in the last 62 years pretty much mm-hmm. um yeah. there's a brilliant book i've been reading definitely recommend if you if you're interested into the history of marvel comics uh, all of the marvels by douglas walk yeah, yeah, I this, yeah. Got, it, got it for Christmas. Tim, funnily enough, our co-host on Sequelizers, recommended it to me because yeah. um, we, we were sponsored by Audible and he was like, I've been reading this book. It's great. And he mentioned like, oh, it's on Audible as well. And yeah, I, my partner ended up getting it from him for Christmas. And 
It's fascinating. He's the guy that has read all 27,000-ish issues of Marvel since it started. And he has gone... Yeah. And talking about how easy it is now to delve through like the digital archives, but some of the stuff is just like, oh, this was lost in a flood before it's properly printed, and now it doesn't exist. It's like, right. that's not a thing anymore. People people create... Getting to like, the creation of comic books and how artists and writers actually make these things, yeah. pe- people do it digitally now. You're not you don't tend to get many artists who sit there with a big piece of, you know, a big like A2 piece of paper format and go through and like actually draw by hand all the little panels and the details and stuff. Most mm. people have like a Wacom tablet or an iPad or something like that and they go through and do it digitally. And the transition from that digital age of accessing comics and being able to read comics through that way and also creating comics digitally has completely transformed how the industry works. Yeah. I mean, that, that it's, a, it's a fascinating thing about all creative mediums at the end of the day, but with comics, it's interesting how, and, and this is why it's such a hard thing to get into sometimes. We mentioned about the, the 40s and so on and so forth uh, and reflecting that world. Um, and you think, okay, well, do you want an insight of the things that were arguably, to those artists at least, important at the time? You're like, yeah, sure, let's look at it. Oh my God, this is hard to read. The artwork is terrible. It's like, well, no, it's the con- it was the limitations of the publishing methods at the time and how we've recorded them now. Literally the limited by the number of colours they can use on the paper. Exactly. There's a reason everyone's hair is blue rather than black at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, black, black was more yeah. expensive. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, it was also interesting because uh, obviously it, it depends entirely on how well these things are handled because in, in, in the eye of the storm, but it's fascinating to see what individuals thought was the big issue at the time. We mentioned like Frank Miller and the whole uh, the heroin stuff. Yes, okay, it could be done for a shock factor, but also it's the whole, no, drugs was a big thing. Um, yeah. AIDS was a big thing at the time in the 80s. That's a lot of storylines around it. Um, mm. You end up with some really clumsy stuff in the 70s, because the 60s mm. is what we call the Silver Age, um, is where Marvel really gets a hold, and it starts to be about, right, put all these old things to one side. Mm. Who are the new heroes? scientists astronauts because of course the space race is happening got cold war fears etc etc now everyone in the marvel universe is a genius super mega level scientist because they (laughs) they were all made like that 60 years ago it's like yeah who's the smartest man in the world well it's mr fantastic it's tony stark it's black panther like namor they're all like oh they're super mega level genius like intellect okay sure yeah Yeah. brilliant and then you get the whole um very quick pivot from both from both the major studios of dc and and marvel it's like in the 70s like we need more representation good um how are you gonna handle that not very well going in yeah (laughs) dialogue alone is like um i'm gonna be a bunch of white guys who are trying their best arguably and i'm gonna write how i think an african-american sounds it's like oh good god um <laughs> and then all the exploitation stuff with with kung fu and black exploitation you see a lot of yeah. more characters popping up and again you still see that now you still see people trying to represent different communities in the best way possible but in the moment you can't tell if you're doing a good job or not i mean i remember the sure. um in spider-man um i forgot his name who wrote spawn um jack assist me here who wrote spawn who wrote Spawn? Um, um, Todd McFarlane? Todd McFarlane. Awful, questionable individual Todd McFarlane. Um, <laughs> one of the founders of, of Image, and um, he um, he wrote Spawn, which is a very, very 90s comic with chains and a big cape, and it's a man from hell, and he's you know vengeful and so on and so forth. But he also did a, a run on Spider-Man, and one of them was addressing the idea of um, racism about, I can't remember the exact exchange, obviously, but the, the, one person was getting attacked, 
and Spider-Man swoops in and saves him. And he says thanks and says a very derisive mark about the person who's attacking them. And he says, hang on, you don't know I'm not black under this mask. Don't think like that. And it is that it's more like, that's something. And in, and in the, I think mm. it was that maybe the mid 90s, it's like, that actually was a statement. That was a big thing for a big comic to say at the time. Um, again, doesn't always say it very well. It yeah. depends on who's saying it and what the agenda is at the time. But sure. comics usually reflect that. And yet, despite that, people uh, very well, a fringe uh, element of people, usually people who aren't actually reading comics at all, mm-hmm. um, when it gets sensationalized in the news, will always say, Oh my God, Superman's son is gay now. It's like, nobody cares. It's fine. If you that's how the comics are written and it's the character's being done well, good. Does it do you, are you reading it? Is it bothering you? Is it, oh, I just don't think it's appropriate. Shut up. And that ties into the legacy thing I touched on earlier, right? We now yes, have yes. even coming through to I know I'm using film as context here for a lot of it, but yep. you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe is unavoidable. We're three white guys on a podcast. We're going to end up talking about Marvel Cinematic Universe at some point. <laughs> what are you I talking made... about? <laughs> <laughs> I made that joke on sequelizers all the time. It's still true here, Harley. I'm sorry. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm just yeah. looking at my Funko Pops. That there are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and thinking about, like, I used the example of Sam Wilson, played by Anthony Mackie, who is African-American, yeah. taking yep. over from the character Steve Rogers, played by Chris Evans, who is Caucasian. Uh-huh. So you're like... We're going to have a black Captain America. And that was a huge deal in the comics like 10, 15 years ago when that transition happened. Mm. And we're finally getting to that point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where the films are kind of catching up with some of the more modern interpretations of the characters. And we're getting people like Miles Morales in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, one of the best films ever made. And (laughs) Miles Morales is half black, half Latino. So he's Mm -hmm. this like amalgamation of different cultures and being from New York as well, like he's a representation of so many communities in that part of the world. That yeah. Yeah. me as a white guy here in Norwich is a it doesn't relate to me in any particular way, but it doesn't affect my enjoyment of the comic. Mars Morales is one of my favorite comic book characters ever mm. because he's well written and interesting and brings an interesting and the the writers bring an interesting voice. We've had people of different ethnicities and backgrounds and, and things like that, writing Miles throughout the years, even though he was created by Brian Michael Bendis, one of the biggest Marvel writers now working at DC. Mm. Um, and yeah, Miles is such an interesting character to me. And pe- we're going to see, I mentioned Miss Marvel earlier, Kamala Khan. She is a mm. young uh, Iranian-American woman. So she's going to be our first like Muslim superhero on the big screen mm. in, in a very open, like proud kind of way. Yeah. And it's fascinating seeing we're kind of transitioning through to that kind of we're now passing down the mantle to less represented communities and stuff like that. I I love seeing yeah. that transition happen because it was it was such a positive movement for me in in the comics community a few years ago. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I think it's something that when you take a step back and think about it logically for a moment, mm. it adds up, right? In that you think, well, who who is it who are, are creating these things? It's writers and artists. Those are people in the creative fields who spend a lot of time thinking about these issues and about the things that affect them Mm. and representation and the world around them. So it only makes sense that they're going to use the thing that they are creating as a platform. Mm. Um, And like you say, it's like, well, what's wrong with that? Even if it's something you don't understand or you're not familiar with, it's just someone else's different point Mm. of view of the world. And if a, a, a comic book character introduces you to that yeah. that can only really be a positive thing surely yeah i mean i mean we always talk about like you know superman's always portrayed very much as a christ-like figure for example and so and then mm. the films very much lean into that but what? there is I a i never noticed that before 
But Superman has a long history. It's a contentious thing because obviously people are all sides of it like Delina in one way or another. But Superman right. is is very much a, you know a late thirties, represented by two Jewish guys, sort of Jewish American superheroes. He's, he's the idea mm. of this black better word Superman. And mm. there's a whole. I mean, obviously there's tons of literature about it, and it's worth reading into it. Cause it's very interesting. But yeah. Um, Again, it's the ones holding the pen and the people reading it, and how it, th- these characters have a life beyond that initial intention. No matter right. what you wanted the character to be, it can right. always be warped, uh, both yeah. positively and negatively, um, and adopted by other people. So it's an idea of like saying, uh, in a very, very whittled down way, that you can have a character who is um, representing a specific community, whoever that might be Italians, um, Jewish people. Mm-hmm. african-americans anybody at all and they could be harnessed badly by a certain writer so if someone comes in and says i want to tell this story about a really difficult turbulent time for this individual how are you gonna do that i'm gonna ruin them it's like oh that yeah. is difficult because it's good because you want to tell these stories i mean uh, uh jack brought up sam wilson as the falcon mm. transition to, uh, um, to captain america now there have been a few captain americas over the year uh, yeah. years bucky barnes being one of them of late uh in the comics at least yep and the stories always tend to be about can you be cap big shoes to fill that's it that's the whole story yeah. when can, sam wilson can you live it, up to steve rogers like, yeah. yeah and that's just because steve rogers is designed to be this this perfect being effectively in terms of his moral compass but yeah. then you played have by chris evans a perfect man <laughs> <laughs> but then you get sam wilson the story has to become unfortunate because of our circumstances in a society it's not just will you look to captain america big big shoes to fill and also what gives you the right to that name. And it's like, mm. well, hang on, hang on. You didn't have this much script. No, no, no. I will never see a black man as Captain America. It's like, mm. I don't, it's it's, well, it's so uncomfortable. And sometimes you can say, well, we're going to put you through these trials. And like, again, if you're doing it as a person who identifies with with certain things, you're able to, to really tap into this stuff and ex- yeah. lived experience or you're just sort of half guessing. There's so many hoops you have to jump through in terms of like what you can and can't do and and how the audience may or may not perceive it over the years, etc. It's 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 fascinating at the end of the day because we see like Batman. Batman's yeah. a single character. He's a simple thing running from start to end and yet there are so many versions of Batman yeah. from and and this thing I want to sort of get across. Adam West is just as legitimate as Christian Bale's Batman. They're both Batman. People say, no, 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 no. I, it's, you have a preference. You like that version. That's yeah, fine. He, he was dancing and silly and stuff, Matthew. He can't be a proper Batman. We need we need a Batman who talks yeah. like this. Like, yeah, yeah they're, they're both Batman. Like, yeah. Same thing. And I, 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 I've, I've committed that sort of sin myself multiple times as a kid. Like, and all these people read it like, look at, look at that, look at that jockey looking guy over there with a Batman t-shirt. He doesn't know. He would have beat me up in school. He's, He's never a read a Batman. Fan. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean mm, anything. Yeah. It's not, it's not worth worrying about. But yeah, yeah. Again, the life of these things evolves out of what they originally intended, what they could be, all that sort of stuff, because they are—they're mm-hmm. not—they're not public property, as it were, but the ideas are. And as I said, that fabulistic, that moral story. Um, Zeus is a very important thing to ancient Greeks, as is yeah. Apollo, as is everything else, and Hera, and all those sort of stories as narratives, fables oh. that would have gotten those of religious narratives of how to get through their day. But I can write a story about Zeus right now. I can do whatever I want with it. 
mm. because it's you know it's it, i say public domain is a wrong sort of phrasing for it but you know it, it's it's not owned by anybody i can talk and yeah. then and marvel and dc do do that quite a lot with yeah. things like zeus i've never really thought yeah. about greek myths as of the public domain but you're not mm -hmm. wrong yeah, yeah i mean thor right thought there we go yeah i mean uh, some people would say you can't do thor like that you can't have this mm. version it's 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 not how the characters be and, and this is the thing we say this and think that's absurd no one would yeah. ever say that no one would say like you can't do thor that way it's it's thor you can do so many different versions and yet there are so many people saying mm, no i don't like tom Holland's spider-man toby Maguire's mm. the best spider-man and that's the end of the conversation it's like yeah you can do whatever you want with spider-man do you arguably. know what i'm so glad you brought this up because i feel like this is something that's going to come up anyway and it's it's something that worms its way into nearly every topic I do on this show, Ooh. and it's this idea of gatekeepers. Oh yeah, and and yeah. people saying, like, as you just pointed out there, that's a great example of like the Spider Man because that film recently came out. Mm. And I'm gonna go full spoilers for Spider Man No Way Home. If you haven't seen it, that's your problem. Um, it made a billion pounds, but um, <laughs> <laughs> chances are you've already seen it. <laughs> exactly, but you had all three on screen. And it's fascinating the dialogue around that. People yeah. kind of going like, "I prefer this version or that version." And, and they, they did the meme, Harley. They did the meme. They did the meme. They did the meme. But the meme you want? gets to the heart of the issue, which is that they're all just different versions of the same thing. Yes. And whichever version you prefer or like is entirely up to you. Yeah. So you can say like, "I prefer the Tom Holland version." You are correct. And someone can say, "I prefer the Tom Maguire version." You are also correct. Because it's just yes. your opinion, it's what you grew up with. And the chances are, especially like you said, with comic books, with, with the film and TV adaptations, mm -hmm. and even inside of those, like the MCU, where it's going now, there are going to be versions within versions within versions. Yeah. It doesn't matter which one you like, because it was just going to be a new one in the next five minutes. Yeah. It's going to pop up on screen or in a comic book. So just enjoy it. <laughs> and and this is the key thing because we talk about like you know as say the idea that the comics are inherently just simple moralistic stories to get you through like you know I'm experiencing something quite difficult in my life I want a bit of escapism yeah oh there's a character they had a hard time too they worked through it how do they work through it well they had their friends to support them they did all the work put all the work in and then punched the bad guy in the face um, <laughs> but even then it was like stories of like you know there's more complex things yeah. that, that comes in but. I love you brought up gatekeeping because it's very important because it's not just yes. limited to obviously comics. It's, it's it's really anything anyone's passionate about. It can be yes. done with cooking. It can be done with anything. Um, and I've, I've, had, I've had some funny examples on this show, mm. but yeah, go on. No, no, yeah, yeah. So it, it, that's the thing. You can literally apply it to, to anything. It's like, yeah. oh, you think you love Toblerones? Oh, <laughs> let me tell you. Unless you've eaten all the Toblerone variations, you don't know anything. Have you um, had a white chocolate Toblerone? Didn't think so. Yeah. Which recipe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've had one made in front of me in the factories in Switzerland by hand. It's like, oh, well, good for you. Did you enjoy it? It doesn't matter. But yeah. there is an inherent psychological thing, and it's um, it's a dark part of humanity because it stems from a very positive place, yeah. and it's it warps so quickly. And comics do cover this quite well, actually, um, when it when they address it. And the psychological thing is, I love this, and it's like, oh, cool, good. I love this mm. so much. Good, good. It's it defines who I am. I really, really attach to this. Great. And if you don't, I'll kill you. <laughs> and, what? And, or I love it more than you do. I'm I love a, more than I'm you a, do. I'm a yeah. Have a gatekeeper thing of like I'm a real mm. fan. I'm a real yeah. fan. Have, have yes. you been reading it since you could read? Yeah. Have you? Did you go back and read every single twenty-seven thousand issue yeah. thing from Marvel that's ever been published? Didn't yeah. think so. And it's I'm the a thing, real fan. Yeah, when you mm. when you enter these things, I mean, because obviously that yeah. the, the argument is that is true of like 
patriotism and religion. It's like, I love this so much, I will defend it with my life. And like, that's a kind of noble thing. But also, mm. I love Batman so much. I don't like a Batman version. I'm going to send the writer a death threat. Yeah. Why, would you, why would you do that? Because I love Batman so much. I don't think you do. Um, or at least you've got a very warped view of it. And it's that, it's yeah, that yeah, idea yeah. that um, the gatekeepy side of it, of like, I know it more than you. It's because it's, it's, it's a, a frustration where right. if you have a rational, I, I'm, I'm very much guilty of this myself when I was, when I was much younger. Um, I mentioned before about, you know, being beaten up in school sort of thing for liking comics and this, because you just sort of shy away from that stuff and all the things I sort of had to hide like video gaming and, and uh, manga and um, comics and certain types of music. It's like, well, that's just of course get beaten up. And then as you get older, you realize actually that's just, you know, deep rooted psychological issues with other people. And um, it could have been any reason to beat you up. They don't, they don't need a reason. It's just part of frustrations, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't, you know, logic tell it to a kid. It's very hard to get through. Mm. But key point is, I suffered to get into the place I am. Um, and I didn't have like the internet. Are so you about to say to... I died for your sins, modern comic book readers? <laughs> is this where this is? Are you, are you Christ analogizing yourself here, Matthew? Did I mention that Zack Snyder is behind I me giving me a little so shoulder you don't rub? Have to. No, no. What I'm trying to say is that this is the mentality. <laughs> The idea that right. I had to go through this and I didn't have a chance to just go on the internet, Google what happened in a certain thing and this is the perfect reading order. I had to do it hard myself. I had to go in some sort of, you know, really out of the way, small stall somewhere in the middle of nowhere, trawl yeah. through these tiny singles, read bits and pieces. I had to really graft for it and you just slip in. It's like, yes, that's because that's what you wanted, isn't it? Isn't yeah. that what you would have preferred when you were that age that you could just go, here's all the stuff and somebody to come in and say, here's some great things. Here's what you'd enjoy. Right. Maybe try this, maybe try that. You want a, a Sherpa or a guide, basically. But because you're so embittered by the climb, as it were, up this mountain of, of appreciation of fandom, um, no matter mm. what it is, you tend to get very bitter. And yeah. only when they have an epiphany, like you're, you're making somebody hate the thing that you love. It's like, and you're, you're possibly pushing them away from this uh, same passion that you have. So right. like, like, like video games. It's like saying, you know, oh, I, I, I love video games so much. I love them more than you do. You can't, you don't deserve to play it. It's like, well, then they won't make any more of it. Why not? Because mm -hmm. they haven't cultivated a new generation of people who want to absorb this, this art form. And yeah. comics is another great example of that. So, yeah. But it can play to anything. You can. I mean, yeah, I, th I think comics is definitely one of those, just, as an example, is really good because there are so many different versions. And, and so what oh, you guys yeah. were saying earlier, it can come along at a pivotal moment in your life and you can latch onto one character and be like, I yep. love Spider-Man. I've read all the Spider-Man comics. I especially like this particular run of this particular era. But then you get so blinded by that that anything outside of that can get you riled up. But as yeah. you say, when you take a step back, you can it hopefully sort of take a broader view and go, well, it doesn't matter ultimately. Mm -hmm. And as we've discussed, this is clearly an evolving format like anything in pop culture it's going to change it's mm. going to go through various interpretations and the quicker that the content gets out there it just means that there's going to be more interpretations and they're going to come along quicker anyway so chances are yeah. if you're watching a film you're reading a comic book and you think i don't particularly like this version don't worry about it in probably less than a couple of years there'll be a brand new one you can That's sink it. your teeth in That's and exactly just try it. that Perfect example at the time of recording, The Batman, starring yeah. Robert Pattinson, directed by Matt Reeves, is about to come out. Yeah. And 
how many different cinematic Batman have we had even in our lifetimes? Like going yeah, all the right. way from, you know, Tim Burton and Michael Keaton all the way through to mm-hmm. Kilmer, Clooney, Bale. Like, yeah. I thought you were going to say endless, endless. From Michael Keaton all the way to, thinks ahead to the new Flash movie, Michael Keaton. Michael <laughs> Keaton. <laughs> from Michael Keaton to Michael Keaton and everyone in between. Yeah. Because you're right. That, and the thing is, and this is the thing as well, because you say, it, uh, Harley nailed it, the idea that, you know, if you don't like it, comics reset all the time it yeah. always goes back to i don't like this version don't worry superman will be his red pants again flying around it always always reverts and resets yeah having said that the old version still exists you don't like yeah. the new spider-man the old spider-man exists what's wrong it's, with that it's the classic oh they ruined my childhood argument that so many kind of gatekeeper yes. have. yeah yeah it's like well it hasn't went back and burned all those issues that you read oh, as a kid exactly. it hasn't destroyed the prints and the the original work you've still got that on your shelf you yeah. can still go and read that i'm sure there's stuff you haven't read that is related to that stuff it's mm-hmm. like oh i, mm-hmm. I miss like take the the daredevil stuff in the 80s you used an example earlier Matt. it's like mm-hmm. well, there's a bunch of other marvel comics around that time you probably haven't read that mm-hmm. are really good and worth reading and you could very again with the access to the internet you can just delve straight into I really like this comic. What else should I read? And yeah. there are apps that recommend stuff for you. There's yeah. basically infinite access Ooh. to information and comics these days. And so yes. you can dive onto Marvel Unlimited, which is a subscription service that just gives you access to basically the entire history of the last 60 years of Marvel comics. It's like, okay, yeah, no excuse. Just like go nuts, basically. Yeah. And I think to that point as well, I think if you're being honest, Another part of it, I think, is looking at things through nostalgia-tinted glasses, oh, right? definitely. 100%. And my understanding as well, just from either reading some issues or like looking at the history of certain characters and comic books, is that not all of it's good. I mean, you guys kind of touched upon it earlier. There are issues with representation. <laughs> yeah. There's issues with different characters and, and writers. And um, I, I, you know, I, I love how quickly you boiled that down. Like, some comics are not good. Like, <laughs> you're, I mean, you're not wrong. But understatement. That's, that's know, an understatement to say the least. Put, yeah. it, put it this way: sixty years uninterrupted of one character's adventures, where they don't right. really age much. You're mm. going to end up with so much filler and so much recycling yes. plots. And it's like, again, classically, it's like I want to collect all of them. You don't need to. You don't need to. And you can if you want to. If you're completionist and you want all those things, no, go some, for it. There's I, all as I mentioned, everything. Douglas Walker's already done it. Go and read that book instead <laughs> of back. He yeah. literally has like a recommended, like, these are the real hit lists, the best ones. Obviously, it's all subjective. It's all his opinion. And, and he sure. does that. It's, it's really, really well written. Like I said, I can't highly recommend this book highly enough if you really want to delve into the history of it all and like how it's shifted by the socio-political stuff that's going around it and why these change and why this creator left at this yeah. time and they had a big falling out. And even talking about, like, we touched on Image Comics earlier, that was a bunch of, like, successful artists and writers who branched out from the bigger companies, gave them a big middle finger and were like, we're going to go and do our own thing. Mm-hmm. We think we can make it on our own. Some of them yeah. did, some of them didn't. Yeah. And it's this interesting thing of, like, getting into that independent comic side of things and branching out from those two big mega corporations ignoring the fact that marvel is now owned by disney speaking of mega corporations <laughs> but like mm. yeah it's an interesting interesting like evolution of a medium that i think we've obviously we've seen similar things through the history of cinema through the history of tv and and to a lesser extent video games like video games have come along in such a short space of time basically since the 70s wow. in an even shorter space of time than comic books they're like one of the more recent like big pop culture mediums 
and it's a fascinating thing to kind of be in this period where we are now where there's this technological leap in so many ways and you know people oh i'd love to have been there for the 60s with all the like hippie stuff and how oh, the be there in the early days of marvel or i'd love to have been in the 80s and been there and listening to a punk and early Metallica and yeah, and being like oh, 80s metal stuff while I'm reading Dark Knight Returns and and watching Blade Runner and being this is this is my dream. I, I was I wish I was only 80. Um, <laughs> You're speaking my language, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why we're going to get along, Harley. This is why yeah. we get along. Um, but yeah, and, and uh, I think everybody has that kind of period. And again, us as millennials now thinking about how we've seen the evolution of comic books since we were kids and what the next generation, whether that's our kids or, or people younger than us are going to see over the next 10, 20, 30, a hundred years. Can you imagine the, like the 200th anniversary of Superman, the 200th anniversary of Batman? That's yeah. probably going to happen. Like I can't imagine these characters disappearing. They may change and shift and like, think about how, you know, we perceive characters. You touched on Count Monte Cristo earlier, Matt. I know that's very close yep. to your heart, and that's yep. a thing that is, you know, still well, actually ongoing. But people still read and appreciate that as fresh readers now, hundreds mm. of years after its publication. <laughs> really getting that kind of long-lasting, always evolving kind of nature of pop culture now. I'm fascinated to see where we're going with all of this, basically, is what I'm trying to say. I'm so intrigued yeah. to see, will we just be able to read comics like yeah. beamed straight into our eyes through our brain chips and stuff? Or like... <laughs> the just virtual environment. through my veins! Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the, the, the best, if people thinking that, I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, just to... to, uh, to... I've got a supercomputer in my hand right now, listeners. I've got, yeah. a, I've got a phone in my hand. Uh -huh. I mean, it, it's... All you need to do is look at something like Sherlock Holmes or Arsene Lupin, and you think to yourselves, yeah, Holmes was the same thing. Um, big, huge characters of the you know 18th century, uh, sorry, 1800s literature. Um, they are still around. We are still making Robin Hood things, Sherlock Holmes God, things. They're God. still being done again and again and yeah, again and again. Think about how how many live action cinematic versions of Sherlock Holmes we've had from from the BBC stuff to the Robert Downey Jr. stuff mm. to Rat Elementary with stuff, Johnny yeah. Lee Miller. Like and that's just Endless. in the last ten years. Like. Mm. Ignoring the previous hundred years of yeah. stuff that have been going on, and because the character yeah. is appealing and endures, and you can change, and this is what we talk about the end of the evolution of characters. You mm. can do twists on it, like with House. You can do things where it's like, I like yeah. the idea of the character, but I don't think the setting works. Let's change it, and you get these other iterations. And it, but it always that's what we talk about the idea of the you know the, the great reset. It, it always comes back to superman comes to this planet and is you know mm. is a little boy and then he grows up and he is you know a, a, a small country person who goes to the big city and he's a wholesome wonderful individual oh you mean um, goku from dragon ball right there we go <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah and there's something and that's how people interpret it over the years and different in, in the same way like you know with hamlet and macbeth these are all tales and those things we've, we've we've grown up with and they just grow the difference is the rights are very firmly in mega corporations' hands, and as sure. such, they're not going anywhere. Which means it's not a case of like, I mean, people can draw their own versions. The internet's fair use is kind of okay with that at the minute. Mm. Um, it, it, you know, there's it, some tricky ground there for a lot of artists, like working at yeah. Comic Cons and drawing their own Superman stuff. Yeah, it's, like, mm. it's always a bit wobbly. Maybe, maybe but... don't try and sell that. That's a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it, it's it's also the fact that um, you know these things. Are only around while they're profitable. 
I mean, again, yeah. we cannot stress this enough. The whole reason why that, you know, the, the fallout between Fox and um, Disney and everything else with regards to certain Marvel properties came down to the 90s uh, Marvel comics was going bankrupt and sold the film rights to the really popular, successful thing. You know, Spider-Man, X-Men, the, re- the things they kept were C- the Avengers were not A-listers, they were C-lister characters. Uh, Universal acquired the Incredible Hulk because the TV stuff did well there. So it- it's only while it's profitable. Yeah. And it will always be profitable in one form because people always like the characters. They endure because they are these very relatable, simple stories. But they're also, they become so complex, so convoluted, so hard to jump on that you end up with, I mean, so many things like, oh, we're going to do a story about this character and there's a reveal like, oh, oh my God, it's Marjorie. Like, <laughs> Who the hell is Marjorie? It's like, Marjorie <laughs> was from the TV spinoff from the, oh my God, that's amazing. It's like, no, it isn't. And so we get the gatekeeper the, the, the <laughs> fan base of like watching the yeah. most recent Doctor Strange trailer saying, it's going to be a reference to the 1970s film, yeah, Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it isn't. And we get, and we get mm. the there's a I, mean, I talked about this recently on Sequelizers, talking about how we've got an entire industry of YouTubers and bloggers yeah. and stuff doing the whole reactions and breakdowns to the latest trailers. And you're like, what okay, does it all great. mean? It's a mm. it's a red circle with a big yellow arrow and the YouTube thumbnail. <laughs> and like, Did you spot this Easter egg? Things you Fif- missed. Fifteen things you missed in the latest Doctor Strange trailer. Like, yeah, yeah. thank thanks very much. And mm. um, talking about like influence and stuff like that, something I wanted to touch on. I've got some some notes here in front of me of going through the history of comic books and things like that. The numbers, like sales numbers, always fascinate me. In the fact that, like, some of the best-selling comic books of all time, and we talked about kind of again comparing it to films because we're coming from sequelizers. That's our kind of medium of comparison. Talking about how Spider-Man: No Way Home made a billion dollars, Avengers made a billion dollars, Titanic yeah. made a billion dollars. Like all these different movies make billions and billions of dollars. Comic books is so small in in economic and financial terms. First of all pay the writers and artists more. They deserve it. They should be getting royalties <laughs> for their creations on the big screen. I mm-hmm. see you, DC and Marvel. I see you. <laughs> I mean, this is why you end up with independent studios. You mentioned about Image, yeah. for example. Yeah. It's like, exactly. I mean, it's the same thing like Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel and it's like, I'm going to bury a load of science in here and not yeah. tell you what I'm doing. And <laughs> you, you get paid to do the thing that's the big property for the big people who are going to pay you that. But then you know, the things you want to do, you do quietly on the side. There, there's some brilliant anecdotes from a lot of writers who... A lot of people, so a a kind of traditional journey for a comic book creator will often be start off creating your own stuff because what else are you going to do? You do it, you know, basically independently and you'll do a web comic or self-publish a little thing in one of your local stores or whatever it is. Somebody notices you, you get signed up to a contract for Marvel or DC or Image or one of the bigger companies. You make a name for yourself and then you go back to doing independent stuff, but now you own the characters. They are your creations. And we have seen this. There are so many films that you don't know are comic book films. And right. like take take an example like Atomic Blonde that came out a few years ago with Charlize Theron. That's okay. based that's based on Coldest City, Coldest Winter by Anthony Johnston. Oh. Like, ex- exactly. Okay. No idea. Yeah. But Road, even Road, like... to per- Road to yeah. Perdition. Is a comic book movie like the Cronenberg film A History of Violence? And you're like, <laughs> A History of Violence, what? a comic book movie, Persepolis, a comic yeah. book movie. Yeah. Like, all these things are so influenced by what seems to me to be such a small, small industry. Like, thinking about the money that's behind it specifically, mm. 
with the films and one of the things I love, video games, like how much money things like Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto and these big, big franchises, again, billions of dollars. One Call of Duty game like makes more money than all of Marvel's publishing things in a single year. It's mm-hmm. absolutely insane, the scale mm. we're talking about. And what I wanted to touch on, I've got the, uh, as of 2019, this is a, a list from Polygon, the top 10 best-selling comic book issues of all time. Okay. And the numbers are fascinating because they're tiny, relatively <laughs> tiny. And if you think about print as well, if you name a couple of books, yeah, I mean, I, but like awful big selling stuff like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey and Da Vinci Code and arguably Harry Potter, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're one thing, they're not a serial, but they're still selling huge numbers you think well comics must be the same it's i recognize batman and superman and yet the three books i just named people might go yeah i know that you know there's still the possibility of going i don't know what that property is but yes to literally put that into perspective uh 50 shades of gray as of uh 2017 so about five years ago so it's going to be higher since then uh over 150 million copies sold of 50 shades of gray which is a Twilight fan fiction. That's an upsetting number, but yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, it's a very upsetting number. And to put it, in, I'm going to work my way from number one to really put this into perspective. Okay. The the best selling comic book of all time is X Men number one from 1991. I figured it was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The the number is 8.2 million. Whoa. That's the best selling comic ever in the history like we said nearly 100 year history of this industry of this medium wow 8. it's 8,186,500 roughly and that's 30 yeah. years ago and that's 30 years ago and then interesting enough because we we talked about this on sequelizers not too long ago as well mm-hmm. talking about how a billion dollars seemed like a completely unachievable insurmountable amount of money for a box office for years, you got Titanic and Gone with the Wind and all these things. Like, oh, you were just for inflation. They made loads and loads of money. Yeah. Sure. Then you had Avatar come through and it was like, it made a billion dollars. The biggest movie of all time. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. Is anything else ever going to do that? And it's like, yeah, every Marvel film for the next decade is going <laughs> to break that record over and over and over again. Yeah. You, want a, you want a Black Panther movie? billion dollars captain yeah. marvel who cares about captain marvel a billion dollars that's who cares about captain marvel <laughs> it's mad not even like the big avengers movies are doing these kind of crazy numbers mm. it's captain marvel the first not dc even... one to get it was aquaman yeah Aqu- aquaman yeah. made a billion dollars wonder <laughs> woman made a billion dollars like and and getting into the whole topic of like wonder being wonder woman and captain marvel being female-led superhero movies which is such a big thing obviously we wanted for so long we had some terrible examples of that with Catwoman and Elektra in like (laughs) 10-15 years ago some of the worst comic book movies ever made (laughs) but now both of those made a billion dollars like money has just just like scaled in a completely different way Mm. and the fact so number two is the one that really surprised me here it's Star Wars number one from 2015 really? That's interesting. Yes. With sales oh. of 1.1 million. I think did, I know why as well. Did you notice the jump down, yes. my fellow co-hosts and yes. listeners? Yeah. That's eight times less than number one. Mm. There's like 10 all the way up to number yeah. two, and then number one is the rest of yeah. ev- the rest of the list put together and more. It's and absolutely it's, ridiculous. It's a comic book based on 
arguably a franchise that's just as big as Marvel, you know, like one of the other massive It's also making a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And And also owned by Disney. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The key thing there is that it's because there was this long sort of running established canon of the Star Wars universe in comics and books and games and everything else. Mm -hmm. And Marvel have now Marvel. Disney acquired Star Wars. Yeah. Um and said, right, wiping the site clean. Whatever we do now is canon. So that hard wipe. Oh yeah, when they destroyed all the extended universe stuff. Yeah, yeah. and then piece bits of it back in with that they want that mm, the fans sort yeah. of like. But yeah, point is that because it's a hard reset, it's a jump on point. So you got an issue one you can finally get on board with. So it's like I like Star Wars. This is going to be where the story goes next. So and- you have that funnel of people working towards like I'm going to get this. And even then, as Jack said, yeah, still just a billion. Oh, and, a, million, um, a million, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And what else? What else happened in 2015 that made a billion dollars in Star Wars? The Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. That's yeah. what happened. <laughs> Suddenly yeah. you have this, like, essentially, it's a tie-in comic, for one yeah. better phrase, which yeah. is, for those of you who don't know, a very common thing you get where it's a kind of quick cash-grabby kind of thing. Yeah. If a big thing happens, whether that's an album or a video game or a film or whatever it is, some, something else in a different medium, you will get a tie-in comic book that is like, oh, yeah, you want to continue watching, like, Robert Pattinson's Batman? You can read an issue of a comic that's drawn mm. to look like Robert Pattinson and it's just a Batman story, that kind of stuff. Mm. And comics can, can be quite weak in that capacity. In that sort of like oh, yeah, those ones DNA. tend to be churned out. Yeah, and it's the sense of like, even if you're like, oh, 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 Superman, Enduring Legacy, tell me things you know about Superman. And there are certainly, so, oh, you know, he's got his fortress, solitude, made of crystals, like, right, stop, stop, stop. That's the thing from the Richard Donner film. I know, I know, but it's in the comics. Yes, once the Richard Donner film came out. There's like, yeah. No, there are so many bits and pieces that have happened mm. over the years that are reflecting the films because people liked that. In the same way that Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man yeah. changed how Iron Man was in the comics. Yeah. Now, has, now Iron yeah. Man always is always yeah. is quippy and has the the beard and the mustache yeah. combo yeah. and stuff. Yeah. 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 All this stuff gets sort of sidelined. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot hard here for a second just to, to to sort of uh switch some perspective on this. So talk about being passionate about comics and um, getting in as a teenager and a young person because I couldn't, because of um, accessibility issues, trying to get to the things in the first place and then really going hard into it and loving it and absorbing so much of it and be, being a bit geeky, being a bit of a douchebag, but learning and bettering myself, et cetera, et cetera. And a huge, wonderful community coming out of it and amazing independent comic book shops up and down the country and the world, in fact, and conventions and people like meeting like meeting like-minded people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All good. And yet I dropped off reading comics properly in 2017. Every now and again, I will (laughs) sporadically read a handful of things, but nowhere near as much. And the question is, it just comes down to, uh, for me, particularly at that point, uh, it's the cost. Because you're reading a handful of comics in your pull list. And I mean, personally, I I don't intend to read what's called singles, which is the the issue by issue, month by month. Monthly, monthly, yeah. yeah, I'd read trades. So when they're collected together, which is a bit of a tricky thing because... You don't know if a trade's going to get printed until the comic runs yeah. for a long time, and you can't support it until you get to the stage where you want to read it. Um, and again, if you were saying like, "Oh, okay, I'm reading uh, Blue Beetle and Batman and Wonder Woman on my on my DC side of things. I've got a couple of independent image comics like Brubaker's doing one. I'll do a couple of those. That's great." Um, I also like some of the old, really old stuff like Green Hornet. So I'm reading some Dynamite stuff and some Marvel things. I, I mean, I love the Fantastic Four and and uh, Black Panther and uh, there's a Black Widow run. I'm want to reread. It's like, right, great. So you've got, say, about 10, 15 books. Like, yeah, every month. That's yeah. 50 pounds a month? Yeah, it's like, oh, God. Wow. And it, it, it <laughs> yeah. racks up quickly. 
and that's before you yeah. go. I also want these collected editions, etc., etc. Yeah, that's just I, I, I very much followed a similar thing to you. And for listeners, in case you don't know, like a trade paperback is often a, an, a, a kind of a pa- contained arc. A, it, yeah, contained. Often people often call it a graphic novel as well. There's a big debate yeah. about what a graphic novel means. Let's yeah. not get into that debate just now. Maybe we will in a minute, but. <laughs> A trade paperback is often five or six issues of an ongoing series collected into one sort of section of story. So this is the intro to a particular character or the first part of a story that is kind of somewhat self-contained in that thing. And the transition for, I know from from me being a, a, a former comic book writer myself and like people I know and being friends with comic book writers now, like people who do it professionally, the transition from monthly sales and bear in mind these sales i was talking about were the individual monthly issues this is star wars issue number one that single Mm. 20 page comic book x-men number one is a single uh not 20 pages it was bigger but yeah single individual comic books when you talk about trades and those paperbacks and even like hardcover collected editions and stuff like that there are sale numbers when i did a comic book podcast years ago before we did sequelizers we would always compare the charts for individual monthly issues and then look at the collected editions thing and yeah collected editions whether that's hardcover mm. or, or paperback mm-hmm. is something that the whole industry has basically moved towards very very few people that i know and i know still know quite a few of my friends who still read you know big superhero comics and image comics and all that kind of stuff read physical actual monthly comic books the the floppy 20 page comic books you get in a little bag at your local shop people read it on comiXology or online through marvel or dc have their own app dark horse have their own app all this kind of stuff they will read it on their tablet or on their phone or on their laptop or whatever it is but if you want to really delve into something or you want to catch up i mean perfect example them oh i want to catch up on this thing i haven't read Mm -hmm. you can go back and read like well i know this particular writer or this particular artist did this version of Superman in the late 90s or did this version of Spider-Man in the early 2000s. You can now get a book that is a massive omnibus of everything of that entire collection, of that entire story in one book. Okay. And that transition for the industry going from what was known as writing monthly comics, so you base your story structure on 20 pages and almost in like a Dan Brown pulpy kind of turn the page kind of way that's the writer of the da vinci code for mm-hmm. those of you who don't know he purposefully writes for a page turn structure of his writing where at the end of every page he wants to give you a little a little little something a little bit of something to make you turn over and want to read the next thing and be like and then robert ludlam fell out the window dot 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 next page whatever it is i'm gonna um, say it now just in case other readers are getting uh, well readers or thought you find readers with your ears um <laughs> robert ludlam's the author of uh, uh born identity i know robert i know langdon langdon i think it's langdon yeah. J- just in case anyone gets flippant carry on i'm, I'm sure there's some diehard da vinci code people so we're like there. this one's about gatekeeping but like okay. he doesn't know what he's talking about he's got the I name don't. wrong i've read the da vinci code and hated it I've, You're it's terrible. I've, I've yet to be corrected or pulled on anything but by all means guys direct your hate towards jack chambers uh, <laughs> hit, hit me up on twitter it's fine i'm used to that yeah. We get corrected all the time. <laughs> it's the nature of saying something uh, that's being written down or recorded yeah. somewhere. You, you're yeah. going to be called up. I, I, I like pinching it now. It's like, we know it's fine. Yeah. 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 You Sorry. made um, a mistake. Yes. But yeah, tra- transitioning, <laughs> Sorry, transitioning from that, from that monthly style of yeah. by the end of that 20 pages or 22 pages, as it often actually is, 
you want to have something that will pull into next month spider-man fights the vulture and you get a little like vulture swooping in on the final thing to be like oh he saved the day and everything's fine oh no wait there's more that kind of thing yeah yeah there was a conscious transition from the industry and like i said talking to my friends who are professional comic book writers people is now known as writing for the trade and some writers do it some don't some artists do it some don't it's a subjective thing but there was a a noticeable shift over the last 10, 15 years or so where it's digital has become more accessible and print comics. And I'm totally guilty of this myself. Basically my entire like visible comic book collection, the stuff that's out actually out on shelves and I intend to read is the collected editions. It's trade paperbacks. It's hardcovers. I know from when we record sequelized in Matt's living room, Matt has the same thing. He has a bunch yep. of hardcovers and stuff shelves filled with, and there is not a, 20 page floppy issue of a monthly comic book to be seen okay. mine are all under my mine are all under my bed for example i still have the, some of them they're hard to store they hit the yeah, store, yeah yeah but yeah that transition where we you start building a story instead of you know stan lee's thing of oh every issue is someone's first issue is like what happens if you can access every issue ever just in the in the blink yeah. of an eye it doesn't matter if it's the first issue it will say this is number three this is part three of six go back and read issue one first and you can just be like oh click on that link you're back to part one mm. so you can just start from fresh then and this is true of so much streaming media whereby with video games or tv or films yeah. it's it used to be the way of like okay um how much is there in again star trek is a good example because there's so much of it um it's like I want to watch The Next Generation. I hear it's a really good thing. And on television at the time, you'd be like, well, just tune in every Wednesday or whatever it is. Like, okay, fine, I will. Um, and you have a new episode. And you could bounce around between series one to six and like, I don't really know what's going on. But mm. Riker does or doesn't have a beard. That kind of thing. <laughs> um, but you didn't need to. The whole point of the syndication was you can't have characters growing yeah. because someone might just tune in. And reruns were an important selling point. Um, so it had like a reset at the end of each episode. Maybe a little bit of development, but always back to... Well, maybe we will, and uh, you know, find out what happened one day. That sort of nonsense. Um, but then you get to streaming digital age of uh, the two thousands, arguably the twenty tens and things. But you get like with, um, I mean, I'm going to bring up anime for example. It's like, wow, Naruto seems cool. It's like, yeah. Start with uh, episode one. It's like, do I have to? Yes. How many episodes are there? Like Nine hundred. Yeah, there are <laughs> several hundred. And like, yeah. do I need all of them? Not really. Here's a re- viewing order. But again, if you're watching contemporary Star Trek, it's like, do I have to watch all of it? Well, it's difficult because of discovering how it's structured. But the point is that it's like people will encourage you to watch episode one. Yeah. It's not like I'm saying I want to watch The Sopranos. Ooh, dip into an episode here or there. Yeah. You get fragments of clips online that sell it to you. That's how we're sold to these things now these days. That, yes. that that's a, that's a little snapshot. But in truth, it's like episode one. I watch Breaking Bad, yeah. episode one. It, Game of Thrones, how every, episode one. How everything is serialized these days, right? Yeah. It's like we touched touch on this with TV shows. We touched mm-hmm. it with the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. and how diving in at number 15 out of 25 doesn't make sense no. anymore. You need to actually have the context to like fully understand what's going on. And not from a gatekeeper kind of way. This is not mm-hmm. a, oh, actually, mm-hmm. I think you need to start at issue one. Otherwise, yeah. you won't truly appreciate it. It's like, no, you genuinely might be lost and not like if you dive into you know number fifteen out of twenty five, yeah. and don't like it, that's probably because no Spider-Man modern... fan, Spider-Man fan is saying read Spider-Man issue one. Yeah, right. exactly. Absolutely. Going and read Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, which exactly is his exactly. first appearance in the sixties. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. I don't know many people who have read Amazing Fantasy fifteen. Funnily enough, 
it, I think it is free on Comixology, mm-hmm. so I'm sure plenty of people have. Um, but yeah, to, to, to put that into context, it's like having seasons of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Like I think the TV show comparison is a perfect example there, Matt. Yeah. You're thinking that six-issue structure, that's like 120, 130 pages of comic book, mm. and that's enough to tell a cohesive story of one character's journey or a group of characters' journey and do it in a way where it's hopefully satisfying and and there's enough room for evolution there. Whereas if you're telling it an isolated story every 20 pages, basically, there's not that room for growth. And that is something we crave now as binge watchers and binge readers and and the modern audience now we have with all of our access to streaming and all this kind of stuff. We really are looking for that kind of, I really want to get stuck into a new TV show. I'm going to watch Sopranos or The Wire or these, you know, big mm. HBO shows yeah. or Breaking Bad and get into mm. I'm going to watch all seven seasons and I'm going to watch yeah. it in a weekend, that kind of thing. And there's still there's still definitely a place. I mean, in much like the television for example, you'll say like, "Oh, here's a really good mini series." Right. There's not going to be more of it. It's not going to spin off. It's just a one-shot thing, 6-7 episodes long, maybe four or five episodes and like it's good as this. Um arguably Chernobyl fantastic television absolutely amazing one of the best one of my favorite shows of all time yeah mm. it's, it's, it's sublime but they're not gonna do a sequel it's just a thing <laughs> it's a standalone um whereas things like so so similarly in comics you have things like uh i mean well less so with Watchmen, but something like persepolis or mouse they are um political things and very much very personal stories yeah and they are limited to the sphere they're in they are standalone you don't need arguably more you just need to reread it and understand the messages in it in the first place mm. um so there will always be standalone stuff there will always be the the, the nature of the serialized ongoing continuous yeah. we've got to keep this going for both both fiscal reasons and also because uh, people are passionate about it and want to keep the characters alive and other times like i want to tell this one individual story yeah and that's it it doesn't need to carry on it's just like it has a mo- it has a poignant moment done snap and something is my understanding of the history of of comics and as you pointed out before like it's ebbed and flowed in terms of its success and you know you can read the stories the history of how one minute marvel for example is you know on top of the world and making all the money and then the next minute they're literally selling printers and chairs (laughs) out of their office because it's worth more than what they're making which is Hmm. madness when you think about it now but still yeah a, a, a part of some of the success of that and the or the lack of success rather that's been attributed to that at least some of the videos i've watched and the history of it all is down to sort of going too far in either direction of either like particularly when it comes to as you guys say serialized stuff where suddenly it goes so far into the weeds and everything's about crossover and it's not enough to just pick up a spider-man comic and go i'm gonna read spider-man comic because then like thor will fly in and it won't just be like a fly-in cameo and go, oh, that's cool, that's Thor in this issue. It's like, no, it's an integral part of this story. And then he disappears. And you're like, well, what? I'm confused. What's happening in this bit of the story? I don't understand. Well, to understand, you now have to go and read Thor issue, whatever it is. And then you go and, and read Thor. Comics. And then the same yeah. thing yeah. happens there and so on and so forth. And then it got to a point where it became alienating, where people were like, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't yeah. keep up with this. And as you guys pointed out, it's expensive. Suddenly I'm not mm-hmm. spending $10 a month, let's say, on one or two of my favourite characters. I have to spend 100 just to know what the well, hell you, is yeah, going you on. Have to, you have to read Thor as well as Spider-Man, otherwise you won't get the context of what happened in yeah. Spider-Man issue 575. Yeah. Like, and, and then it, be- yeah. and it's, it becomes alienating to fans. And I think it's interesting what we're seeing now with the MCU and, and sort of the way that that is... 
I think they're they're still trying to figure out. I think the it's, balance. It's going that. It's going of, that way, Harley. I think it is TV and yeah. film and like. Yeah. How much do we put in here so that we're rewarding fans who are loyal, but also not completely alienating people that don't have all the time in the world to sit down and watch everything? Yeah. Put it put it this way: people will watch. Um, I'm not going to spoil things just in case. Um, <laughs> say, for example, the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV right. series, or they'll watch. Um, WandaVision, yep. or they'll watch Hawkeye. Mm. And weirdly enough, even though there are some really key emotion, uh, sorry, emotional and moral points in there, the films will still act like you haven't seen it. They will still give you yes. um, a, some, hopefully not, but probably really clumsy dialogue saying, hey, I remember when you did that one thing that one time. I did <clears> do that <throat> thing one time. And people say, like, <laughs> I don't know what they're referring to. Mm. Come get a subscription to Disney Plus and check it out. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Well, if they just talk in, like you already know about it, you get that literally. You oh know, God, yeah. The, yeah. the the editors know. It's like, if you'd like to see the continued adventures of Thor, pick up Thor number twenty five in stores next week. I like, always, yeah, yeah, I always would get so surreal that like, you know this happened in Wakanda two years ago. Ed, yeah. oh, who's Ed? I was like, oh, it's the editor. I, I thought yeah. that for years. I thought, yeah. wow, there's some like omnipotent voice yeah. of Marvel called Ed, Ed Marvel, who's just yeah. like, yeah, that must be, yeah. oh, he's editorializing, that's what this is. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love that. Basically the internet. Yeah. It's Wikipedia yeah. coming yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. But it's... I, and I think, I think event comics is something I definitely want to touch on. You, you touched on there. Sure, how, yeah, how yeah. Would, like how important that was for what, what comics have become now and what the MCU and, and the DC whatever universe they're building if 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 at all their multiverse thing <laughs> and how we now like you say you come together with oh suddenly all of your favorite characters come together in one movie it's an avengers movie right. and it's a big event and we've got things like secret invasion going to be happening and now we have as you hinted at matt other characters like wanda crossing over into the tv shows even though she started on a movie then i wrote her own tv show mm -hmm. and is now going and we have a, a black widow character who's come from the black widow movie who is now in hawkeye who's then going to go off and be in something else and yeah all this kind of stuff those big crossover things and you are totally right were so alienating to me in like the mid 2000s mm -hmm. so i was like 15 or 16 years old this is the era of the original civil war comics that were happening yeah. in marvel mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you had the big spider-man reveals his identity my name's peter <laughs> parker and i've been spider-man since i was 15 years old yeah that line is like drilled into my brain because it's such a iconic moment but god they got overused and they saw them as like the big sellers and funnily enough to dive back into my best sales list mm -hmm. here of all the things another 2015 issue number seven on the best-selling comic books of all time mm -hmm. is secret wars number one from 2015 oh, yeah. which is yeah it's a massive massive crossover yeah. it is like i said the marvel 616 which is the primary comic book universe crashing together with all of the different multiverses all the different other versions including ultimates and all this different stuff and they basically said right we're resetting it we're, we're redoing the whole thing which and does, we're gonna uh, dc we're gonna do a lot but marvel all together it was, a, it was yeah. a novelty for Marvel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's a big thing, again, I'm going to touch on it again, Douglas Walk talks about it in all of the Marvels, how, like, in a way, Marvel have this unbroken chain of 27-ish thousand issues because they have never done a full universe reset. Yeah. They spin off and do other stuff, and they're off in their own timelines and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But DC, to the contrary of that, have been, like, 
this is Batman now. This is Batman issue one, yeah. and everything that happened before is not the same person. You know, this is new Batman, like take the Scott Snyder stuff from the late 2010s, like 10 years ago or so, mm-hmm. thinking about how that's not the same version that was around in the 80s. That's not the same version that was around in the 90s. Whereas Marvel have this weird thing where they're constantly trying to balance this ongoing story and then have these big event things where everybody clashes together and, oh, we're smashing all these different universes literally together in this planet where, like, this continent is from this universe and, mm. and this the upper crust of this planet is from this universe. Like, it's literally layered on top of each other. Like, it was yeah. a mad, mad thing. Mm. And because it was such a big thing, 2015 is such a year for comic books going through and being like, okay, yeah, you're doing a big, big event that's going to have repercussions for everything. Mm -hmm. And here we are seven years later and it's all basically back to the same and who cares. The fact that Miles Morales, (laughs) who I touched on on earlier, is like one of the more modern interpretations of Spider-Man, he's now in the main Marvel universe. Like he, he originally took over from Peter Parker spoilers for like a 15 year old comic book (laughs) when peter parker died in ultimate spider-man which was again a reboot a modern reboot an interpretation in 2001 compared to the 60s version of spider-man which had been going on for that long sure and miles morales was this moment in time where everybody's like oh my god we got a new spider-man ultimate spider-man one of my favorite runs of comic books ever for the record i think brian michael bendis did an amazing job building this modern version of peter parker and then transitioning incredibly somehow Mm -hmm. to make miles morales such an incredible character Mm -hmm. and a worthy successor to that legacy of hundreds and hundreds of issues of of peter parker being amazing for like 15 years or whatever it was Mm -hmm. that transition period was so interesting and marvel kind of having the balls to be like yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna have a new spider-man Peter Parker's still there the whole time. He's just in a different universe. Like, it wasn't a huge mm. game changer. Peter Parker's still there. They're they're probably publishing like three or four Peter Parker based books a month that mm-hmm. you can go and read. But everybody got angry about Mars Morales because, <laughs> oh, of course. And you have all these crossover events, and you have these moments where one universe would meet the other. And I think you're certainly right in what you touched on earlier, Harley. We're getting there with the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. We've had the multiverse stuff, whether that's the Spider-Man No Way Home stuff, and we're seeing different versions of Peter Parker interacting, or the Doctor Strange stuff, where we're possibly going to see different versions of Doctor Strange interacting with each other. Mm. A good one, a bad one, a super powerful one. We we don't know at this point. Mm. And I do worry that the MCU is going to get to that alienating Mm. point at some point i guess so many people are on board for the ride at this point it's kind of irrelevant like these movies are still making all spider-man no way home made all the money in the world again yeah during a pandemic they just just can't stop making money (laughs) during a pandemic yeah Yeah. exactly made a billion dollars in a pandemic that's mad i I think there is a uh, just a, 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 come come with me if you will um (laughs) on a journey with matthew stoggs (laughs) yeah I'm going to make a reference to... Oh, God, this is also now another Disney property, technically. <laughs> One Jack references a lot. Disney the Simpsons. Hey! Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Simpsons is one of those other fascinating things uh, to go along with the idea of the Marvel thing. So, for example, we talk about Spider-Man. Spider-Man starts out and he was bitten by a radioactive spider and every single thing up until arguably Secret Wars was canon. Yes. Everything that happened to him happened to him. Yes, different versions, different timelines, different events. Things were sort of 
oh you know part of his history was reset because he made a deal with the devil etc 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 but it's still the same guy the kid with the big blocky glasses who went to school in the 60s it's the same one swinging around new york trying to help the 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 twin towers 9 11 devastation sort of stuff it's like right and the same way the simpsons from 80 what was it 87 since came out 89 onwards 89 mm. thank you very much onwards it's still the simpsons mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that he they're still the same age no maggie is a baby forever i mean you see you see glimpses ahead and back and things but the 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 universe around them grows the technology grows but they don't shift and it's fascinating to see how this thing is in stasis despite evolving it's, it's the lie we tell ourselves yeah. now the reason i think this back to the mcu and how it won't evolve we, we can we the, the mcu is taking arguably the best and worst bits of the comic structuring into the film environment which has never been done before and that's why we talk about it so much not because it's doing it the it's doing quite very successfully mm -hmm. but it was the first to do it well so we always go well they're gonna get it right because they're trailblazing it and somehow doing they haven't really they they, they stumble a bit every now and again yeah but they recover magnificently every single time now this is because it's um it's an industry yeah as much as we don't as much as we love the art it's about money and it's risk versus reward and all this sort of stuff and all the things behind the scenes are about manipulation and just trying to get the i mean the reason we talk about no way home and like oh my god there's so many i, I gave it a three out of five in my review which is one of those things which i got kind of pierced for Ooh. and lambasted for it's like <laughs> yeah exactly that because i'm like it's like i, I enjoyed the hell of it. i had a fantastic experience with it uh -huh. but structurally it's got a lot of problems mm. because there's like it's 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 far from home 2.5 yeah. and this own thing here and a lot of it is driven on nostalgia mm. if you have never seen amazing spider-man or the other spider-man like, who, who are these two old men oh they're other spider-man <laughs> Cool. Old men. Andrew Garfield is it's my age. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But the point is that it's it's not, and I, I can't stress enough. I'm not saying it's Robert. You're talking about the complexity of the thing and where do people get, yeah. you know, difficulty getting overwhelming. We're here already. Yes. But the difference is the vocal parts of the audience are telling the younger parts of the audience that's cool. And they're saying, I guess it is, but not knowing why it is. And it, it, it's interesting because, um. That general reset, the idea of, you know, when something, it's not something you can continue. So in, in the comics, Peter Parker can be, be Peter Parker. You can have other versions, and Miles Morales is now the main one because you want to represent the industry. Also because Sony and their deal with the, with Marvel and Disney, the parent companies, having a bit of a bickering fest, which is why X-Men was sidelined in the comics for so long, mm. because it's like, we don't care about this because another uh, company is profiteering, profiteering off our stuff, right. etc. But they're animated. They're, they're 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 drawn and the simpsons is animated yes okay the voice actors come and go and get replaced but they're still animated they can be ageless yeah tony stark is tony stark and as we're going to see probably the next year or two how do disney deal with this how do marvel deal with this in the in the film form because mm. in the comics you just draw tony stark in superman comes back and it's clark kent and his red pants every single time it's always bruce wayne dick grayson better batman it doesn't matter because people want to see bruce wayne as batman yeah. sick you want to see Damian Wayne as Batman? I don't really think I do, but I'd be curious about it. Tough. It's Bruce Wayne as Batman again because you know we're back to the alley <laughs> did, where Martha they did Wayne Jim kicks Gordon shot. as Batman in a big mech suit. For there God's you sake. go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all these things are explored, but it comes back to that thing because you can draw them. Yeah, it's very difficult to say. Don't worry, we're going to come back every single time. I mean, we say that now. You know, Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. Yeah. 
And are we going to see an alternate universe version of Tony Stark played by someone like Tom Cruise or not, or something like that? Mm. It's like, do we keep the character alive with different iterations of the personality? And that legacy mindset, it's like you can't just bring back 2009 Robert Downey Jr. because... He's obviously uh, getting older. The aging technology, Matthew. We'll, we'll just we'll just build a hologram and we'll be fine. <laughs> well, it's not just the aging technology. It's the aging. You're right. You're you're entirely right. Yeah. But the hologram thing exactly. Yeah. The 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 Peter Cushing in uh, sort of in Rogue One. Yeah. You own the rights to their face. Fascinating. Um, also terrifying. Terrifying. That's exactly yeah. it. And so yeah. I think that's the thing. And it's uh, you, you talk about the threads of that. That it seems to be what they're doing is. Did you like Avengers? Yeah, I really did. What about that Wanda? I mean, sure. Mm. Great. What about if we do a TV series? Would you enjoy that? Yeah, I'll watch some of that. Great. Did you enjoy that? Loved it. Amazing. Mm. Wanda is so cool. Oh, that's such an that's such a complex story. My God, what a messing with my mind. Amazing. Mm. What do you think of that Monica Rambeau? Yeah, she's all right. And then the next, you know, Marvel's film. Oh, there's Monica Rambeau. I remember her from the TV series. Yeah. I love that character. It's instilling that sense of like, you don't get an origin story in a film anymore which used to be the big thing for comic book films. Right. It's now, I've introduced you separately as a cameo. Black Panther mm. and Spider-Man appeared in Civil War yeah. as in the uh, Captain America sequel. They get their own films later, yeah. mm-hmm. but we don't get the origin story in its own it, form at that point. It's a, it's a technique used in TV a lot called the backdoor yes. pilot, where you, mm. you would have a spin-off character who may or may not get their own series uh, off the back of this. Yeah. But you just get like, oh, there's a new member of the team. They're teaming up with this mm-hmm. guy from the other department or the other division or the other planet or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. You're like, huh, he's kind of a weird main character in this these two episodes at the start of this season. And if those episodes do well and the fan reaction is good and the viewership numbers are there, oh, suddenly he gets his own standalone yeah. show. And surprise, surprise, Mr. Spinoff has his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe is now built on that. We yes. have, yes. I think Spider-Man is the perfect example of that. We did not get a standalone Spider-Man trilogy and then he joined the Avengers like we had you mm-hmm. know, a Captain America movie, a Thor movie, an Iron Man movie, the Hulk sort of leading up to Avengers. We didn't get Spider-Man leading up to Civil War. He just backflipped in with Captain America and was like, hey, everyone. Like, oh my God, Sp- yeah. if you haven't seen the trailers, Spider-Man just shows up out of nowhere. Mm. It's like, How- I- can, you- can you do that? Is this allowed? Can Oh my God. Wow. You can't um, just put a Spider-Man and a Captain America movie out of nowhere. You need a Spider-Man not, movie first. No, we don't. Not even rules. Avengers. It is, it is an Avengers movie, but it's not an <laughs> yeah. Avengers movie. It's, it's Captain America 3. It's, it introduces Black Panther and spider-man in mm. the same film and then they both had standalone films that also made a billion dollars yep. what, what is the world you know, the funny thing is, <laughs> this reminds me actually uh, of an episode i did a while ago uh with a podcast and writer called tony black and we, we talked about non-fiction writing and sort of you know the idea of researching books and all this and mm. and his book at the time he's bringing out i encourage people to read it i find it really interesting it's about the modern myth arc and basically how uh, a lot yeah. of yeah, what we're talking about now, TV and film and all this is blending into these shared mm. universes. And you can go far as uh, far back as uh, I believe Lovecraft as an author and like and others who would write these mm. kind of in-universe stories and it would be loosely connected. And even stuff like the X-Files and TV shows would have these kind of yeah. recurring characters, recurring motifs. And there's almost something slightly comforting about it that we can watch a, a show or a film and Definitely. go, oh, Yes, I recognise that character, as you said, like, for example, Monica Rambeau. Oh, yeah, I watched the TV show. I know her. I know who she is. 
and we and we get excited mm-hmm. about it and we almost feel like we're playing detective or like we're, we're catching clues we're getting yeah. stuff as it comes along it makes the audience feel clever and smart and exactly like to uh, i know we're harking on the mcu <laughs> a lot on this episode but i understood that yeah. reference i got that reference like the, <laughs> yeah. the captain america thing i'm like oh yeah and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's playing up you touched on nostalgia earlier as well harley mm-hmm. like playing on that nostalgia thing if you are switched on and you yeah. know all these things can come and bite you like if we all the fan theories that swirl around the new trailer that's just come out whether that's yes. the batman trailer or the marvel trailer or a star wars thing or whatever it is or even a new issue of a comic book everybody goes, oh my god so and so's on the cover does mm-hmm. that mean does that mean the other character's dead does that mean is that wait is that his brother oh my god does that mean well if they if they're doing multiverse stuff they could do this and then that and then that and they could introduce this character Ooh, could they do that? Do you think so? She said it this line in this particular way in the trailer. Do you think that's referencing this thing and that's setting up this character yeah. to show up in two movies' time? It's like, yeah. oh my god, it's exhausting. Yeah. But mm. when you do catch those little Easter eggs and little references, like, God, I'm smart and cool. God, I'm 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 just a, such a good viewer. Don't yeah. you just love? Thank you, Disney, my corporate overlords. I'm do, I'm doing my job appropriately yeah it's, it's literally a pat on the head for something that has no value arguably it's like yeah. you recognize the reference like i did i'm better than others and it's like mm. not not really it means you're well versed it means you you have more exposure to it right. doesn't mean you're better but we do interpret these things as a, as a reward um if you're sitting there and this is a very strange example but i'm gonna give it to you there's blind taste tests for chefs mm-hmm. and if you as a, as a just a, a just standard taste palette go i don't know what that is what is that cucumber what is that oh it's yogurt sorry i i have no idea what that was you know you get so confused and like what what you're trying to eat it's like the consistency wasn't right but i blended it oh, okay fine but then you have people who are so so skilled at it and mm. so immersed in it they can just taste it go yeah it's aubergine it's like how did you know we literally buried it in all these things like no, i can tell from the consistency the, the, the yeah. fibrous nature of it's there because you are just in that wheel it's, it's your thing it's your expertise the difference is that makes you better in this in inverted commas in the sense that you know that inside yes. out and you have that knowledge base. It doesn't make you a better person, but we reward ourselves like, yes, I am good. I will give myself that little serotonin hit, that little yeah. reward, that that sense of superiority. It's like, mm, and, yeah, it's it's unfounded. But and, yeah. and to kind of yeah go off the back of that and what something we touched upon earlier, there is an entire internet culture around that now, isn't there? Of of reaction oh, yeah, videos and, and articles yeah. and podcasts and and you know. And I'm I'm very much in that as well. Like I'll I'll listen to a breakdown of a trailer just just out of curiosity, and you know, like the time of recording, you know, like the new uh, Doctor Strange films coming out, and you bet I've listened to a bunch of people talk about theories and what's possibly in it because me, me because too, me too, man. I've had the discussions, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, mu- exactly. as much as I call people out for it, I'm totally I mean, guilty of it. Like, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not on some pedestal being like oh, I'm so much better it's, than you. I do it all the well, time. Yeah, and to come back to what you were saying earlier, like who of us has the time to then go, well, I'm going to go back and read every single Doctor Strange comic ever. And, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm going to go through the original film and I'm going to watch all of Division again and I'm going to go through it frame by frame to sit. No, you don't have the time. Or, or would you like six minutes on YouTube that just highlights all the exactly, important bits because for you? Someone else has Ta-da. done the work for you. Um, and that's totally fine. But as you say, it, it does, I think, create a very interesting problem for people who are adapting these into big mainstream media, whether it's film or TV mm-hmm. shows, and that you now have fans with extremely high expectations 
And it does feel like things yeah. can live and die sometimes on people going, well, I was expecting this to happen and it didn't. And they'll either be really yep. surprised and happy or they'll be devastated because they were hyping up to this thing's going to happen. Or another problem is they're not surprised by the reveal because they can get feel that sit there and go, oh, yeah, I knew that was coming because I've listened to a podcast or a YouTuber who's been telling me it's yeah. coming for the last six weeks. So I also think it's it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword in that way, you know. I agree. I very, very much, much agree. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I say that as someone who gets caught up in it as well, who's very guilty of of doing well, it. <laughs> I think it's it's one of those things. It depends on how you address it, really, because I think it is all. It, again, it comes from that. That it stems from passion. Right. It's because we're excited about something. We want it to be good. You start thinking about the prospect of what could be. Even like the idea of like, I want to go on holiday. Mm. Uh, such a touching subject during the pandemic, yeah. but um, the Sorry, idea of like, I want to go here. Day? Ho yeah, the idea that I would be not in my house for a short period I, of time. I, I, you've lost <laughs> one. Sorry. Yeah. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so the idea that listeners you would... don't yeah, listen to this. This, map, this is nonsense. Yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. You go to the moon, kids. Um... <laughs> may as well be the moon. Outside of this county, may as well be the moon to yeah, me at this point. That's fair. Um, so, yeah, the idea that you, you think, I'm going to go on holiday. Mm. Where are you going to go? Oh, I'm going to go to America. Oh, wow. Wait, where are you going specifically? I'm going to New York. I've wanted to go since I was a boy. It's going to be amazing. I'm, I've got these things planned. It's going to be the best experience of my yeah. life. And it's like, I, I hope it is. I really do. And you start thinking, oh, I'm going to, I've got this sort of stuff planned out. I'm going to see this. I'm going to go to take a show on Broadway. I'm going to do the, all the things I want to do, eat all the stuff. And you get there and you have, I, I, there's a there's a specific syndrome, I think called Paris syndrome, where Japanese people go to Paris and France specifically uh -huh. and suffer genuine depression Ooh. because they have oh, hyped yeah, it in their mind thing, yeah. of how it will be yeah and they get to paris and it's not what they think it is because of japanese standards of how food and transport and certain things exist and it's france and i love france mm. um my sister-in-law's boyfriend is french and he's wonderful but he's very french um and so it's like <laughs> he's paris... wonderful but he's very french it's the most british say, thing that's to say. english <laughs> way of describing someone but yeah, yeah. but no he's 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 charming but antagonistic and he's funny but sarcastic and it's the, that yeah. that that sort of yeah very <laughs> describing yourself there matthew yeah if my statistics are to be believed, I have a lot of listeners in France, so I apologise. <laughs> well, no, I, I just think I don't. And that's the key thing here. I'm not. I'm not actively trying to be offensive. What I'm trying to say yeah. is that people have an expectation of what they're expecting, and it's like, no, it's a city yeah. in Europe. It's going to be cold at times and too hot at mm -hmm. times. It's going to smell funny because it's not going to be the cuisine you're expecting or used yes. to. It's going to be dark, and people are miserable, and crime is a thing. Mm. It's like, oh, you know, it's the oh, romanticization of exactly. especially Paris. I think that's why it's called the Paris syndrome, right? Because we see it as this, yeah. like, yes, the height of romance. And oh, if you take someone on a date yeah. or you go and propose in mm. Paris, the top of the Eiffel Tower, it has this, like, yeah. magical, mm. mythical to tie it back yes. into yeah, yeah. superheroes being mm. myths and mm. stuff like that. This mythical thing. And yeah, yeah. And when you go in with such high expectations and. I think we're getting there with with comic book mm -hmm. movies. We're absolutely mm -hmm. getting there. Like definitely, even even when it came to like Batman v Superman, it's like the first time these two titans of the industry have shared the screen. Mm. Like, well, it's not, but I guess <laughs> yeah. it, I guess it, I guess it is. That's how you're selling it. A lo the logo alone broke Hall H. People went, "Oh my god, this is gonna be the best cinematic event yeah. ever!" And then the result was meh. And that's the point. That's what's the same with comics and the event things and crossovers. And as I say, that idea of going on holiday to somewhere like New York or Paris or wherever it happens to be. And you have a t you have a good time because again these are amazing places yeah. and 
but you have an expectation going into it and it might never meet that. You might go, ah, but I knew this would happen. It's like, how do you know this would happen? Mm. Because I wanted it to. And so, oh, and that, that, that twists and that contorts and that warps. And again, that's why, I'm, that's why I don't think this is hopefully an insulting thing to any French listeners. The idea that that's not Paris's fault. No. That's not the, no. the Parisians' fault. That's not France's fault. I mean, people in the south of France would say it's definitely Paris's fault. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like, no, that's just your expectations based on something someone else has said or created or conjured. And so it's like, oh, I'm going to open up a Spider-Man yeah. comic. And the first three pages, this isn't Spider-Man to me. Mm. It's like, yeah, but it is. Mm. And I know that now, and it sounds awful. There are so many people who will open a comic and say, Mars Morales. Who the hell is yeah. this? This is not Spider-Man. Mm. I don't. You can call him whatever you like. Don't call him Spider-Man. It's like, mm, if he has all the moralistic sort of virtues of Spider-Man and the the characters, the creators, he's wearing a said, suit covered in spider webs. Yeah, he was bitten by a spider. Oh, yeah. what, what what do you want? It's a Spider-Man. It's like, it doesn't look where I think. It's like, well, that's your preconceptions. That's your expectation of what the character is and the stories. That's that's on you, yeah. not the story. And I feel like that's indicative often of what superheroes are and what again in my limited experience of of consuming comic book media often mm. these characters and these writers try to address and like a, a, an example that leaps to my mind is recently yeah with, with the captain america series that they did with uh, with falcon and winter yes. soldier it's all about the idea of this person yes he was a person his personality does of course affect the character of captain america but he was a symbol. Mm. Like in that case, it's a shield. Yeah. The shield was a symbol. And, you know, and, and the series, I, I think while it wasn't that, you know, can you talk about whether it's good or not? I, one thing I did like about it is I liked that it took a moment to kind of meditate on what that meant. And that the idea that it's yes. a symbolic thing. And yes, the person holding it, there is a certain responsibility and there's a whole load of stuff that comes with that. And as you say, in this case, mm. the fact that he's black, in America had a whole other discussion yeah. that came with it. Uh, and Entirely. of course they rightly focused on that. But it's something that you see a lot in, in comics is other characters picking up the mantle. You mentioned Batman, for example, there's been several iterations famously in the nineties, mm -hmm. you know, was it nineties or two thousands Superman was killed. And then they spent several, that was 90s, Death yeah. of Superman, spent yeah. several yeah. issues dealing with that and passing the mantle. Mm. You have cyber Superman yeah. and, a and Superboy and all, all this kind of, of stuff. Work, yeah. But it's something that that most of them did yes, not. Yes, exactly. But, <laughs> alert. but there are several instances like that throughout history where it's people going, "Well, we can't keep them in stasis, and and we're we're going to have yeah. to adapt and evolve." And especially when you you then take that and apply it to films, like we are now, and that, and that's the big medium that's adapting these characters. People, actors age. So of course that's a that's something you're going to bump up, bump up against is, yeah, someone isn't going to want to play the role of Captain America or Superman for twenty thirty years, you know. Or I mean, they might come back and mm. forth, but more than likely there's yeah. going to be a passing of the shield, you know, no pun intended, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. It's but true. It, it needs to be. It needs to happen. And, I, and again, it's just interesting yeah. that when people get funny about it and they go, "Oh, but that's not my yeah. version," it's like, "Yeah, but look at." comics that's something that they frequently come up against yeah. because yeah. you have to and that yeah yeah definitely that was something i really grew into as a comic book reader as well like i said growing up starting off with the obvious stuff you do as a kid with spider-man and batman all that kind of stuff and it's something for if you out there listeners are not a, a big comic book reader this is something i really really recommend doing 
sooner rather than later because it really helped me to understand why I enjoy comic books and help me to not get burnt out on stuff. And that is follow creators you like rather than the characters. There it is. That, that's such a key thing for me. And it's such a big thing. I touched about it all the times when I was hosting a podcast about comic books back in the day. You go from... We talked about a bunch of writers. We touched on Grant Morrison, Brian Michael Bendis, Stan Lee, you know, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster created Superman. Like, all these different people. Frank Miller. All these different people have different interpretations of characters. Matt, you touched on Daredevil earlier. Yep. We're like... Oh, Daredevil's my favorite comic book character. Cool. Which one? Is it Frank Miller's Daredevil? Is yeah. it Bendis's Daredevil? Is it Mark Wade's Daredevil? It's, it's Mark Wade. <laughs> the correct answer is Mark Wade. But, <laughs> but like you get these such different interpretations and everybody brings their own of course. You know, experiences and influences, each writer and very much underappreciated, each artist. Yes. Shout out to the artists out there. I may be a writer myself, yeah. but comic book artists. You are the people that keep that industry going. You are the the unsung heroes a lot of the time. You get this kind of credit for created by blah blah blah. Like that's the writer. Mm. Like what about the artist that designed that thing and created that yeah, thing? Yeah, good point. All this kind of stuff. We'll not get into the royalties and issues with with Marvel and Disney and this whole thing. That's a whole other conversation yeah. to have. But the thing that really saved my love of comic books when I was really getting burnt out, sort of six or seven years ago was realizing, oh, I like Brian Michael Bendis and the way he writes stories. I've enjoyed his Spider-Man run. I've now enjoyed his Daredevil run. What else is he Mm. doing? I didn't... For example, if he left a book and he went off to... He left Spider-Man, he's done 100 issues of Spider-Man, and now he's off doing something else. I would follow him to the next thing because I know I like his style. I like you know, his, his beliefs or his values or the characters that express those values are close to mine or challenge mine in an interesting way, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And following writers, following artists, following creators is such a, a a more interesting and more dynamic way of experiencing comic books for me yeah. personally. And understanding people like, like Brian K. Vaughan is one of my favorite writers of all time, one of my favorite creators, created Why the Last Man, but he's also done Wonder Woman and a Swamp Thing issue and some Daredevil-y stuff and like... Or, and Paper Girls, which is an amazing comic book of the last few years, and Saga, which has just come back, which is a big oh, saga. Safe space opera, Star Wars-y yeah. kind of thing. Um, and I followed his career because I, I fell in love with Why the Last Man, his series, we mentioned Vertigo, it was an imprint of DC back mm-hmm. in the day. That series from years and years ago, and I was like, this is one of my favourite stories in fiction. I adore Why, Why the Last Man, I think it's an absolute masterpiece. The show hmm. got cancelled for a reason. Hmm. Uh, the yeah. show, not so much. Comic books, ah, hmm. brilliant. Show, not so much. Anyway, I followed his career because I like his writing style so much. And I follow certain artists as well. I know I really like their artwork and I trust them to do a yeah. good job, to do a, an, an interesting take on this character. I've, I've read a million different versions of Spider-Man, a million, million different versions of yeah. Superman. Do something new, do something different, do something interesting. Grant Morrison is a perfect example of a writer that just does whatever mm-hmm. they want. Grant Morrison has done everything from Damian Wayne as Batman in Batman 666, which is a post-apocalyptic hell version where he's a big like robot evil Batman mm-hmm. and it's Bruce's biological son that's been manipulated by his evil grandfather and it's a whole mm-hmm. thing. And then he's back doing like big crazy space operas and writing like Batman Arkham Asylum back in the day and all this mad stuff that's happened over the last you know 
Grant has written stuff for 30, 40 years at this point, starting out in things like 2000 AD and Future Shock and the early sort of British independent stuff in the yeah. 80s. And I followed their career as well. I followed Grant's career because I like what Grant writes. I like what they do and what they bring to characters and different interpretations and all this kind of mm. stuff. So if you do find a comic book, if, if I hope, this is my this is my single hope, and I often have this for sequelizers episodes as well. I hope this inspires some of the listeners to go out and read some comic books. Whether that's superhero stuff or if you want to avoid that and go and read something you're into crime fiction or thrillers or horror, whatever it is, there's so much out there to go and experience. And if you yeah. find someone, not a character, but a writer or an artist or a particular creator that really clicks with you, go and find out what else they've done. Go and follow their career. Go and backtrack and find out what other stuff they've done. Whether that's, you know, the last five years, the last 10 years, it could be their first ever issue. Who knows? But that really, really saved my love for comic books a few years ago. And I think it will save the listeners who, if you are interested in diving into like modern comics, I think that will save you a lot of hassle of yeah. I remember having these conversations with my co-hosts back in the day of like, I'm, so I'm still reading this Supergirl comic and it's terrible. <laughs> and I'm, I'm reading it every month and it's been terrible yeah. for a year. I'm like... Put it in the bin. Stop right, subscribing to right. this thing. Yeah. Stop reading it just because you like the character of Supergirl. You liked it a year ago because mm. this, you know, this creator, this writer was working on that thing. This artist was working on this series. What are they doing now? It's like, oh, um, they're doing the new Wonder Woman series. Why aren't you reading mm. that then? Go and read Wonder Woman. Don't just stick on a character. And I got so burnt out reading like, okay, I'm just going to read everything mm. Batman. And there's a bunch of rubbish. <laughs> there's some really great stuff. I mentioned Scott Snyder and James Tinney and the fourth and and like their kind of creations in the in the mid two thousands, early two thousand tens. Amazing stuff. Incredible, <laughs> you know, transcendent Batman comics that are some of the best Batman mm. comics of the last couple of decades, if not ever. And I followed there. Now Scott Snyder did a um Superman book. He's done a horror book called Severed that I really read. One of my yeah. favorite horror comic books wow. of all time. But it was an is an independent thing. It's nothing to do with Batman. But I know I like Snyder's style of writing, so I followed him. No relation to Zack Snyder, <laughs> by the way. Uh, f followed followed him off to do his own thing, and I was like, oh, I really like the way you write this. I really like certain writers, certain artists. And yeah, my biggest recommendation to you listeners, if you are like, you know what, I will give comics a go. I read it as a kid and I haven't, or I've never read a comic book. And these three have inspired me over the last mm. couple of hours to actually go and go and read yeah. something. That is my recommendation is find an artist, find a writer, find a creator that really clicks with you in a certain way yeah, and follow their career backwards, forwards, sideways, however you can, rather than sticking to something and, you know, six months down the line, you're like, I'm going to get into comic books. And I've read 15 issues of Batman and I hated 10 out of 15 of them. It's like, stop reading it and find something yeah. else then. There's so many options yeah. out there. And again, in the modern era, in the digital age of comic books, there's no excuse for not going out and trying new things. You can have subscription services where you mm. can just mm. get stuff. Now with Amazon Prime built into Comixology, that again, whole controversial topic I won't get into, but... You now have Prime Reading. There's a bunch of free yeah. issues. You can just you can you can base mm. it like a library. You can have ten issues on loan on your account at any given yeah. moment. They're all free. That if you have Amazon Prime and you have Comicsology, they're included in your thing. So you can go and read Sandman before the Sandman series that comes out mm. soon. That's basically finished production. Yeah. There's there's audio versions of Sandman. There's there's the original comics of Sandman. You can go, and that's not the Marvel 
Sandman. That's a that's a different yeah. Sandman. <laughs> it's a whole other thing. But there's so many ways to go and find these creators and these characters you love and yeah, yeah. branch think- out and don't be afraid to go and try new stuff and try different things and follow writers and artists you love. Yeah, I think right, my just- my rant and my uh my speech is over <laughs> i was gonna say I, I i entirely agree with jack and some people might think no but i like spider-man or i like batman the, the best uh, absurdist analogy i'll give you just to to, to bounce off that and, and just sort of cap off what jack said uh monet claude monet the artist did 200 and, or 250 something uh oil paintings of water lilies the whole bridge over water lilies it's a whole study and it's like they're beautiful they're all interesting they're all amazing different times of day different sort of inter- types of light coming through fascinating are you gonna tell me that you're only looking at paintings that is claude monet working on water lilies it's like yeah they're the 250 i love and only that it's like well have you seen Monet's other stuff or oh, did other things yeah he did a lot of stuff and you got do you like just how he interprets the world yeah i think i do do you know there are other impressionists who do the same sort of things like you know renoir and degar and, and cezanne and stuff like are they kind of the same thing it's not a water lily thing. It's not got a bridge in it, but it's the same idea. You might find themes that you like in it that, you, that, that are, are akin to the whole thing. Like, wow. And then suddenly you find a new favorite artist. It's like, Jack's entirely right. It's like, I love, you know, again, for me, love Daredevil uh, uh, um, as, a, as a character. The Brubaker run on it I really loved. And then I saw Brubaker was doing stuff with Captain America, a character I didn't really care about. I thought, well, I like Brubaker. And now I love Captain America because Brubaker's introduction with um his whole thing that, that's like, where winter soldier comes from exactly right. bringing back bucky barnes, bucky barnes now. and the death of uh, captain america stuff and then it's like rubeck is great and he's not working at marvel anymore it's like oh, okay fine what's he doing now he's doing noir comic stuff and crime things with sean phillips i love sean phillips artwork with him and and, and rubeck what are they doing they're also doing a horror comic which is kind of a lovecraftian thing called fatal i am gonna eat all of that mm, fatal is one of the best things of the last 20 years it's amazing fatal is amazing yeah and that's where you, you start with literally oh i love daredevil i'm read all the daredevil to fatal is one of the greatest comics of the last yeah. yeah it's it's that transition but the absurdity of like i i like this painting can you be more paintings of henry the eighth why <laughs> i like this the way that the artist's artist captured it it's like go find the artist and see yeah. what they've done yeah i feel like we're already touching on it with what you've just said with your very passionate speech there jack which Oh, welcome to me podcasting. No, Sorry, li- I go on listen, big rants. The, 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 longest, <laughs> the rant. longest one I've had to date was 20 minutes and that's not been beaten, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> that's because I'm a best behavior. <laughs> well, uh, I think really what you said about following artists and writers leads me nicely into the question of where on earth do people begin? So if someone's listening to this, might be going like, I like what oh. you're saying. What I a question. MCU, I like all these stuff. I, I get it. And I would like to get into it, but it feels like just this mm. wall of content and like, where on earth do I begin? So yeah, where would you guys sort of recommend? I feel like we've already thrown out a few good tips already, but yeah, where, where's a good place for yeah. people to start? For me, for modern comics, I think Ultimate Spider-Man is such a good place to start. Is a There's a lot okay. there. And I think... It is aged somewhat since that it started, you know, 20 years ago. But the fact that so much of the MCU is influenced by that side of the Marvel comics, that ultimate universe, like I said, they did a kind of semi-reboot modernization of the whole universe in the early 2000s. You had things like the Ultimates, which were that universe's version of the Avengers. 
and the first run of the Ultimates is basically the 2012 Avengers movie. It's mm. the Chitauri, it's the Hawkeye with the short hair who's a bit grumpy and a badass rather than a bit fumbly and a bit yeah. silly. Like mm. Those interpretations, those characters, if you've really clicked with the MCU stuff, the early Ultimate Universe stuff is a really good place okay. to start. I stand by Ultimate Spider-Man as being one of the best Spider-Man runs, and then it transitioned into, as I said, one of my favorite characters of all time, Miles Morales. Mm. And that's a great introduction to him because he's probably coming to the MCU at some point and he's going to be a big deal. Yeah. And we're getting across the Spider-Verse part one and across the Spider-Verse part two coming out soon. And that's introducing even more Spider-Man stuff. So I think Miles is a character that if you, the earlier you can jump on that and, and if you do like that character, that's great because I think he's going to be a big deal on the big screen, on the small screen, in the animated space for the foreseeable future. And I think Miles Morales is such a great modern interpretation of what a superhero is, what he can be, and whether that's the original creators like Brian Michael Bendis or coming through <coughs> to people like Saladin Ahmed, who has done a run recently that was absolutely fantastic. There's some great Miles Morales content out there to, to get stuck into. But starting even starting off with the Peter Parker Ultimate Spider-Man stuff is a really great way to get into that kind of... 21st century comic nice. book reading and yeah, you've got 150 issues to get stuck into <laughs> <laughs> there's pl there's plenty yeah. there wow <sighs> it's such a hard I mean, okay okay i think the truth is it, it i don't think there is a right answer i think oh, there is, yeah. there, there there, is there so much isn't. there's so much stumbling into for, so for example it's going to be a case of i mean i, I remember this conversation i had with the the guy who runs the local comic book shop in norwich um abstract sprocket and shout out to abstract sprocket yeah Great guys in there and it's the whole i really enjoyed this what should i read next and their faces were kind of sink they're obviously their professional job they know what they're doing they're like well, what do you like reading give us an yeah. impression yeah. um but what do you recommend is the most daunting thing so for example um you could say oh, my, my my recommendation all i can do is think about the route I would have taken in until, uh, you know, rather than the, the mismatch of what I had <clears throat> in that use the tools available to you, i.e. the internet and YouTube, as much as it sounds like a really, it, it's, it's opinions, but it's, it's, it's like this podcast, it's an idea of where to start possibly. Exactly. So I'd yeah. say start with contained stories. Okay. Start with stuff that in fact will, uh, not really take you down a path of, right, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm jumping in in a bit that's maybe from 2009 and I'm just going to hope for the best. It's hard to get a hold of or some of that. You know, you, you don't want to invest tons of money in things you might not like. And it gets good after so many issues. Like if you're doing like Judge Dredd, for example, it's like, do I start with number one? Mm, collected volume number five, maybe. Mm. That kind of legit logic. Um, so things like, as we mentioned before, why the last man or sam man or fatal or lock and key or umbrella academy these are things that have a handful of trades they're properties you might be familiar with that are um more horror more science fiction um outside of what you might expect if you like say for example i really like detective sort of star comics and noir stories cool but i want something that's going to be really visually captivating read black sad it's like oh what's black sad mm, it's a spanish comic in french but obviously it's translated to, to english um which is basically zootopia or zootropolis <laughs> the idea that there's 
you know, it's 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 classic noir stories. Kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, it's noir stories, but with anthropomorphic right. animals, and it's just and it's 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 like, but it's really well written, really well done, and it, it beautifully illustrated. Um, but there's only a handful of hardbacks. It's really easy to get into and see if you like that sort of thing. Um, read really challenging political stuff like Persepolis and Mouse and other bits and pieces. Um, but really, then it comes down to what style of storytelling do you like? Mm. And then there's so many. It's, it's I think it's more of an interview than it is a statement. But yeah, I'd say there's there's some things to get into that are on the fringe, shall we say? They're things that aren't going to be the normal standard answers. But if you want to get to superhero stuff, um, that's where it becomes really difficult because mm -hmm. the the instinctive reaction is I like this version of a character. Can I read that? So it's like I like Iron Man. Good. Go read Matt Fraction's Invincible Iron Man. It's like really. Well, yeah, mostly. I mean, mm, it's a bit of a reset, so it's going to have other stuff going on at the same time. So it's a bit tricky. And Jack's recommendation, Ultimate Spider-Man, is great because it's a reset. Yeah. Um, it's a fresh start. It's a fresh start. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really hard to say where to get and get out. I'd say, yeah, as much as I, it sounds like such a cop-out answer, literally go to YouTube, yeah. Google it, say best science fiction <laughs> comics. And people say, like, Saga, read Saga. Or if you want to get to this, I mean... Jack mentioned earlier about the idea of like I want to get into something that's going to be a bit more fantastical. I really like say like what they were sort of attempt to do with the Eternals, right. you know, that kind of story. Is there something like that mm. for me? It's like yeah, there are. There are tons and tons of stories like that, but you won't see them in a mainline Marvel sure. comic. I want to see something about like you know because again, if you want to say I want to see about a guy with knives on his hands cutting people up, it's like right Wolverine. Then it's like, yeah, <clears throat> X Men's not really about no. that, arguably. Mm. It's the, the the actual moral understory of what it's about, and you know, again, it's Batman. This thing is like, oh, I see a billionaire punch poor people. It's like, ooh, is that really <laughs> what Batman's about? No, it's not. It's about a guy using, um, you know, horrific experiences in his life to right the world in a way he understands through the therapeutic nature of the changes he can keep up with and, mm. and and analyzing everything to death so he can understand how to deal with every situation because when he was a child there was a situation he couldn't see coming and couldn't do anything yeah. about it all this sort of stuff the psychology behind it um so that's my really long cop-out answer of not actually naming it no, there I we don't go. Think it's, it's a lot of things it was a don't, don't be nice Harvey. it was a little bit of a <laughs> cop-out yeah, the cop thing out. is and i always say this with every episode it's never like a definitive answer on these topics or it's an opinion. opinion yeah but I think what you guys have, have listed is a really good example of where you can begin, whether it's a genre, whether it's a certain run, for example, say the ultimates, depending on, you know, what you like mm. in the current, well, the, the current pop culture, which is MCU. Yeah. And something I've, I've done just as for my own hat in the ring is um, on the odd occasion when I, I've heard of a film coming out, for example, like I've mentioned it a bunch of times is, you know, the, the Batman versus Superman. Well, what, what is that loosely based off? Well, Dark Knight Returns. Mm -hmm. So I went and sought that out. And I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check this oh, out. Yeah. Now, this is the thing. <laughs> I don't know if I'd recommend that approach to people because sometimes mm -hmm. you can be like, what is this? But if you're doing it with the view of, I'm gonna go see this movie, I'm gonna watch this show, I want a loose idea of of what it's about going in. I'm just curious. I think that can mm -hmm. be worth a look. Um, and in some cases like that, you can even get animated versions. So you don't even necessarily have to read. An entire comic run if you don't want to you can just find mm. a very good adaptation sure. and check it out and then you can go into a film with a loose idea of okay this is what it's going for and you can have a, yeah. some idea of, of what's happening definitely and i think i think that's the trick it's it's having someone with the experience and the knowledge who's been there and says like 
I'm really passionate about uh, Green Lantern. Right. So it, I, I, Daredevil is my favorite character. Green Lantern is my favorite book. Mm. Um, I, I, I distinguish those two okay. things. Because um, Matt Murdock is Daredevil in the, in the Marvel Universe. I love the character. I think there's so much complexity to this, you know, blind Irish Catholic guy and his his unique twist of like, no, I don't care about the Avengers. I Are you care relating about- to an Irish Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> sure, surely not. My God, it's such a leap from where I am. No, no. Um, but more the idea that it's like, even in the sense of like, oh, no, we really need you in the situation. He's very rarely in all these big um, event comics because right. he's like, I care about this neighborhood and nothing else because yeah. while everyone else is worrying about saving the world, this is what's mine. This is what's important to yeah. me. This is my world. And he has his street level stuff. And that's fascinating. And I think that's great. But Green Lantern as a book is so full of color and potential and the way it could be illustrated. The way it, because it is literally about creating something from nothing. You can do anything on any planet, anywhere. It's, it's potential is endless. It's fascinating. And also... It's a cop book, mm. and police are always um, a subject for arguably ridicule with Keystone Cops in the twenties and in, in in cinema. They 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 were then became heroes and saviors. Then they became corrupt. Then so, and obviously these things aren't like you know periods of time of policing. And there's always been throughout history right. of people in charge of uh, overseeing people's public safety. And police have always had a very difficult relationship with the public because of how they're interpreted and the awful things that they often do. But that's the point. This book has the ability to address right. that. So if I say, like, I love Green Lantern, you need to read Green Lantern. It's like, great, where do I start? Well, not with Alan Scott. Not with the first Green Lantern, because that's not that's a railroad guy who makes a lantern out of a meteor. Oh, okay, what about Hal Jordan? Now he's a test pilot in the 60s. That don't mm. work. Right. What, what about Jeff John's reset and like with his, you know, being the sort of like reborn uh resurrection sort of era? It's like well, that was fixing the problem with the comic being wrong. So yes, that is a great starting yeah. point, but you're going to go through at least six issues of things that don't make sense as it tries to get back to where it was. To, to For the long-running reading fans at the time, fixing the continuity to get you to the point they wanted you to be at. So it's really hard to know where to jump onto these things. Mm. And even when you're like so in deep and so ingrained and so passionate about it, sometimes that, that like, like the with the, the Mars Morales stuff, it's really hard with just resets like, here, but thankfully, sometimes it is just as easy as like, <laughs> yeah, this issue, mm. issue forty three, is the one where it changed it. Um, the 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 fraction run on on Hawkeye, mm. fraction and a half, f- amazing, absolutely great. Yep. Just that alone, little contained thing. Read that. Oh, I don't know I've, if I like I've, it. I've got a hardcover of that, and it's yeah, one of my most reread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marvel comics of the last. You don't 10 need years. to know all about the MCU. You don't know, sorry, the Marvel universe. Just say you don't need to know about the Avengers. You just need to. There's this one guy. He's kind of ridiculous. Um, he gets battered around a lot and you get all the essence of the character in that. And from there you go, Fraction is a really good writer and Aha's artwork is so stunning and compelling and so much fluid motion to it. And you go from there. So it's a really hard one to get into. I think it's a really great idea you had there, Matt, of like, what do you like? What genres do you like? What kind of stories Mm. do you like? And whether that's literally Googling like, comics that are like yeah. this so like so say for example um if you yeah. like stranger things on netflix and you've got that kind of 80s nostalgia kind of vibe you like stories about teenagers and science and all that kind of stuff a book i brought up earlier called paper mm-hmm. girls which yeah. is by my yeah. favorite writer brian k vaughan and one of my favorite artists cliff chang is a story about science teenagers mm-hmm. 
experiencing weird science fictiony stuff and specifically it does a really good job of handling young women and uh people of the lgbtq community and people of color and all this kind of stuff in a bit more nuanced clever way than stranger okay. things does um and it's this really kind of it, it starts off fairly small and gets bigger and weirder and all this stuff but it is a completed yeah. story what matt touched on earlier of having like you have a start you have a finish as much as i recommended ultimate spider-man then it's 160 <laughs> issues like have fun yeah. with that this is like 40 something like that 30 something so it's like it's 30 issues there you go i just looked up it's 30 issues there you go done story told it's a complete you know narrative for all these characters in one complete package and you can buy a book for like 25 pounds here in the uk there is the entire story in one paperback in one like omnibus mm -hmm. edition done like less than a pound yeah. an issue basically of this awesome. big collection of stuff and i think literally googling comics that are like the thing that i like yeah. or or hell even tweet us sure. yeah <laughs> feel free to yeah. feel free to tag me on twitter and be like hey jack i heard you on fundamentals yeah. would you rec if i like this and this what comic would you mm. recommend yeah. like if you know people who read comics and i know i'm not i'm not like putting myself on a pedestal as like this kind of comics guru but if you know people who do like comics and who read comics and who have experience with it just ask we're usually usually unless we're gatekeepering mm. you know mm. Yeah, we're usually pretty nice. We want to we want to share our passion and our interest yeah. with other people. And I know the guests on yeah. your show does do this yeah. all the time, Harley. Like you get people being like, "Yes, go and watch this. Go and watch wrestling. Mm -hmm. Go and read Dune. All this kind of mm -hmm. stuff." Like I love I love those kind of things and hearing people passionate about Absolutely. stuff. I want to to share that with yes. you and say, "Oh, if I if I think you like this, maybe you should try mm -hmm. this. And if you don't like this, I recommend avoiding this kind of thing." And and it's more almost more about genre at that point. I touched on like not following right. characters. I'm following once you're kind of more familiar with it, like I said, try and transition to that artist creator kind of mindset. Mm. But I think if you're starting off, there is no harm in starting with a particular genre. Oh, I'm a big horror mm. fan. I watch loads of I'm a big, you know, Friday the thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, classic yeah. like yeah. slashery mm. kind of things. Is there anything out there in comics? I'm like, oh God, mm. yes, there's a whole subgenre of comics. There's yeah. hundreds of issues, loads of different series are you a Jason or a Freddy kind of person? And they're like, hmm. well, actually, I quite like Jason. They're like, right, I'll recommend this okay. one. Yeah. That came out 10 years ago. This is five issues of this thing. If you like that, the artist went and did this thing two years later, and the writer went off and did this thing two years. And you very quickly hit mm -hmm. that, no pun intended, spider yeah. web of <laughs> all the different creators suddenly spawning off and doing different yeah. things. And yeah. that's how you kind of get your foot in the door, whether that's through a genre or a particular artist, particular creator, particular character, whatever it is. Mm. Once you're in, you're in, and you can really kind of delve around and dig around and find stuff. Yeah, I think uh, I someone asked me this once, and it was maybe I, I don't know if it's the right answer, but it was my answer. And they said, I want to read Superman. And I said, Oh, okay. Yeah, there's tons of really good Superman stories. I said, Yeah, I kind of want to read the best Superman where he's the best person. And I want to read Superman where he's like, like the the um, Henry Cavill style, like, mm. you know, not the, the darker, grittier Superman. I said, Oh. Oh, okay, then you need to read All Star Superman by Grant Morrison. Mm. Yeah, Frank Wiley. That's the best Superman comic, and it's also two volumes only. Boof, uh -huh. done. It's like the sort of Trials of Hercules kind of thing, and it's really like there's a there's a sort of situation comes about, and Hercules, Hercules, uh, the, <laughs> the Herculean feats, sorry, Herculean feats uh, that that Superman has to go through in a limited time space. And it's like right, and you hit all the beats of what Superman yes. is. If you want to see Superman at his worst. 
at like a what happens if this kind of character goes off. So people say, oh, watch the boys. No, 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 no. Read Irredeemable by Wayne. Ah, okay. um, it's the same thing about what happens if there is a Superman-esque individual or a being, a Plutonian in this case. It's like, yeah. And he is unhinged mm. and uh, literally unmakes the world effectively. It's like, oh, wow. Mm. Oh, that is dark. I was like, yeah. So you can have the story you think you want a Superman thing to be. But if you want like a darker version of Superman, because you like the, I like Superman to challenge. I want the, would Watchmen do that for me? Mm, Watchmen's about a lot of history of things and bits and pieces. Read Irredeemable. And again, that is like, I think, 30, 37 issues. It's quite a contained thing. Right. Yeah, some of them. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think again. It, but the the other thing to bring back to is if you happen to have one in your area, go into your local comic book yeah. shop because there are some really supportive individuals. People in comic book shops are always happy to recommend. Stuff. I have yeah, had so absolutely. many conversations with people working there, and then someone in the queue will say, "If you're really like this, you should try Blue Beetle." I know it's not a thing, but mm. this particular run's really good, and it's not always the right answer, but it's somebody's earnest recommendation. You go, "Yeah, I'll give it a go." Again, if you've got the money, the time, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. I guess a, a key thing to this it almost goes without saying, um, but it's, it's having an open mind, right? It's not going in with the yeah, preconceived yeah. idea of like, but I like Spider-Man and I only want to read Spider-Man. It's like, yes, that's cool, but you'll probably find as you get into it, as you guys say, there's different yeah. genres or there's different <laughs> artists and writers and, and other characters, perhaps. That they could, who knows mm. where it could end up? The possibilities are literally endless. Yeah. <laughs> Different takes, different perspectives. And it's the same thing with any artistic medium. Um, mm. Music, yeah. film, books, anything. If you close yourself off and say, I only like Spider-Man. Yeah. What do you like about Spider-Man? That, that question alone challenges people to think that he's, he's, he's Spider-Man. It's like, yes. Is it the costume? Mm. Is it his moral value? Is it the school setting? Is it the, the familial core group of people around him? Is it the fact that he can't give away his identity? Mm -hmm. That he has a secret identity? Is it his the rogues gallery, the villains he has to fight? All this stuff. And we're just like, I like, and to be, sometimes, to be fair, to, 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 to give a bit of credit for this, sometimes it's an, in, an intangible yes. thing. Sometimes it's something you can't quantify. So it could be like, I really like this song. I'm listening to it now. And this is the best song I've ever listened to. It's like, what about it? Is it is it the way that the the instruments is you know are, are they're used? Is it the way that it's uh, designed and orchestrated? And is it the, is it the sound of the voice? I don't know, but it's putting a feeling in mm. me, and that is fair too because yeah. you can't deny that. That like, what do you like about Spider Man? I just like it how it makes me feel. Again, nothing wrong with that, but really hard to recommend off the back of that because only you can answer that once you've experienced something, as you say, with an open mind. So, yeah, yeah. I guess really in terms of sort of resources and where people can look, I mean, you've mentioned a few already. So there's like Comicology there's, mm. there's, and that's a, there's a link there through Amazon Prime, you said. Is that right? Yeah, so Comicology is owned by Amazon oh, now. Okay. We bought them a few yeah. years ago. Um, and they've now recently integrated, literally at time of recording like a couple of weeks ago, the Amazon Prime stuff into Comicsology. So now you get stuff <clears> kind of built in. It changed how you can buy comics and how you view comics, and a lot of people were very annoyed by that because everything shifted and it's a mega corporation, yeah. so there's going to be a lot of like, yeah, not great implementation mm -hmm. of <laughs> user experience designs and all this kind of stuff. But yes, Comicsology is the kind of the go-to place to find digital mm -hmm. comics. Uh, unfortunately, while giving money to Amazon, but who isn't yeah. these days, I guess. Um, 
yeah, there's like I said, DC and Marvel have their own apps as well. I think Boom or Dynamite have their own comics. There are other publishers yeah, as well. Yeah. They have their own comics as well that you can get online. Um, certain people publish stuff online for free. There's a lot of web comics out there. <clears throat> just true. Even outside of you know independently published stuff, people just put stuff online for people to read who then go on to become professional artists and professional writers and stuff like that wow. as well. There is a world of stuff and things to be found easily accessible and stuff like that. And yeah, it, it's never been any a better or easier time to get yeah. into comics than now in 2022. Yeah. You can order things from around the world in theory, uh, online, eBay, whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be, you know, various comic uh, or even book bookshops as well. have a lot of things you can, you can get quite these things. Um, the, the the frustration is when you really get into it or you start to get into it, you think you know you want something specific. Yeah. Um, because obviously, you know, The Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen are some of the the most read and highly sought after, shall we say. So things like Waterstones or, you know, other ones, um, other bookstores around the various countries will just have them on the shelf. And it's like, oh, I can just wander in and pick that up rather than having to go to some sort of niche uh, vendor to find out these sort of things is it you know, hidden away somewhere that you have to find it's, it's like again it's in like a lot of bookshops yeah. and even some uh like big huge supermarkets as mega supermarkets um but then comics are at the end of the day artworks yes. and uh they're also there for collector's items right. so for example if you're thinking of like saying like jack has said with regards to online that's really helpful getting like a digital version of something if you want a physical copy of something you might hit a wall of like oh this is a really good run oh fantastic that'd be 80 pound please and it's like i'm sorry what (laughs) it's like well there's only x amount published we have never bothered to reprint them because it keeps the high prices and the sort of exclusivity the whole thing it's really hard to get a hold of it and we're keeping a hold of them in, in, in sort of almost um driving up the price and things like that and um it's 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 very difficult. If I wanted to give a gift, for example, like oh, I, someone's a massive Spider-Man fan, I'll get them a copy of Amazing Spider-Man or you know, f- um, Amazing Fantasy fifteen, whatever it is. They, they sort of like early. No, you're, no, you're not. Unless you're sinking tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah, they sell for like a million dollars, though. So yeah, wow. kind of issues. Yeah. That's never going to happen. Um, so you get prints and artwork and all that sort of things, replications. It's the question of if it's readily available. And in this day and age, where the the physical medium uh market has bottomed out a bit with regards to like cds vinyls blu-rays dvds that kind of stuff even video games now it's like well what we'll do is we'll do a collector's edition hardcover edition a new omnibus edition these kind of Mm. things which has all of this stuff covered um you won't get but if you're like desperate to get into the singles that the specific edition they're sort of tricky to get back back issues of and that kind Mm. of thing but there are still ways to get them it depends on how you like to absorb this media or how you will eventually become a way you like to absorb yeah. it. Here. How you can store it in your own, wherever you live, that kind of thing. There's there's so many ways, so many factors. And it's a good time to do it. I think in the past, it would have been really difficult to do, but now it's much easier. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, with this medium, this particular medium being used and adapted so much into pop culture, into, as you say, cinema and, and television and things like that, it, it seems like there's never been a better time to just to try and get into it and try and find and, and just Definitely. research some of these these characters, these themes, these whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're watching. You know, it's, I think it's always worth a quick look. You know, as you say, you can, you yeah. can go and look, find I'm it. Go- yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a bit of a uh, personal journey here. So, um, I mentioned earlier that I've got on my 
right hand a green lantern ring now that can conjure a lot of images in people's heads because there have been so many different versions of what green lantern rings look like of it it's basically just a tungsten uh silvery looking ring and it's got a, a laser carved little green lantern logo. it's very sort of tasteful and small you wouldn't even know <laughs> um but i remember because uh, i'm also doing other podcasts i also a film director and um we were recording some adr in my house and one of the actors saw the metal green lantern i have on the uh in, in my comic collection and also like a big Kotobukiya uh statue of hal jordan um arguably a meh green lantern individual but that's not the point the individual Agreed. yeah uh, it's the fact that i had a lot of green lantern merch and it's like why do you like green lantern so much and it gets that like why do you like spider-man mm. um sometimes it's very hard to answer i was like i just like a, a boy in peril it's like well that's worrying <laughs> um <laughs> um so it's like well, I like my teens in trouble. That's yeah, what like them. that's what I like to see. I like 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 little boys having been crushed by rocks and having to lift them up. It's like uh, okay, and you you think that's weird? That's kind of how Wonder Woman came it about. But that's let's not worry thing, about yeah. that for now. That's the whole thing. <laughs> but no, Green Lantern. Why do I like Green Lantern? Uh, Green Lantern at its core, oh, that's an unfortunate pun, but there we go. Is it's as I said it's it's space police. It's the idea that there's a whole thing going around and. Uh, it's emotion, even though will is not an emotion, uh, is what powers the ring. They draw the power from and they have constructs. So you can think mm -hmm. about something, you picture it, you envision it, and it comes into a, a construct. If it's not like a Hal Jordan style individual, that's a bubble or a fist and it's very or a plane because he's a pilot. He's a very limited imagination. Not very, not very imaginative old <laughs> Hal Jordan. <laughs> no, not really. no. Whereas if it's someone like John Stewart, He's an architect and a marine, so he sees things very differently. Oh. How he can his constructs go, and Kyle Rayner is an artist, so he will have very different constructs, and they're all reflections of personality. But most importantly, to me as an artist, in terms of my uh, stuff I do from writing for my my day job, um, or uh, as a as a filmmaker, that creation, a Green Lantern core ring is the ability to create something from nothing with sheer willpower. Yeah, and that is how I define most art. It is taking something within you, whether it's an emotion or a feeling or a memory or something and putting it out there for other people to experience and absorb. And you can't do that without saying, I have to do this. I have to actively create this. Um, and it requires so much fortitude and will. It doesn't always work. It's one of those things when I'm reviewing movies where we could like at least one out of five, never zero out of five. Because as bad as a movie is, at least you finished yeah. it. I've got to get credit for that. You've got it over the finish line somehow. Well done. <laughs> um it it got it got it got it got done and i think that that to me is very much about my personality and and my own history and things like that the idea that there is this this entity in the universe that is the the the, the, the various i'm not gonna go into the the law of green lantern too much but the idea that you know the ring is powered by this this overwhelming universal truth of like yeah you can make it happen yeah. and that's whether you want and whatever you want and then it goes back to you know you know Gandhi, be the change you want to see. Sorry, sorry, be yeah, be the change you want to see. That's in the world, that kind of thing. The idea that you know, if you want this to happen, do something yeah. about it. If you don't, if you're unhappy about the situation in the world in general, do something. I'm I'm furious about the idea of like you know another pandemic happening. Write to an MP, mm. campaign, protest, <laughs> um, become a scientist, do something. And that's mm. that's so for example, like why why do you like Green Lantern? I was like. That's why. That psychological tap for me personally. Now, is that going to resonate with another person reading Grand Lantern? No. They just like it when the big person in space who's glowing smashes that big alien in the <laughs> face. And that's cool. You can like that. That's great. 
But for me, I have another connection. And when a, when a writer who also has that similar yeah. thing taps into that, I'm like, that's fantastic. So yeah. I love that. That's honestly, I think that's beautiful. I think that's the kind of thing. Thank that, you. Well, that's the kind of thing I think in all in all art forms. When you dive into it, I love these kind of conversations. I love like getting to the bones yeah, of yeah. like what it is that people are so passionate about. And with comics, I think it's a great example of, as you say, you can take a character, a concept that on paper you think, yeah, it's big alien flying around with some fun technology mm. and, you know, smashy, smashy, all good fun. And people could enjoy it on that level. And that's fine. Mm. But as you say, that the, the, the intent behind it is clearly something much deeper and more meaningful. And that's what it means so much to people. And I think that's that's yeah. awesome. To me, that is genuinely amazing if you can do that. And mm. and, and I love that. I Honestly, until you said that, I had never thought of, of Green Lantern as an example. I've never thought of that character in that context before. But, but now no. you said that, it makes sense. And I think that's really cool. And yeah, and I think that's true of... Uh, and, listen, you can speak to any fan of anything yeah. and they will tell you the same story of connection and go, I'd never thought mm. of it that way. And if you've got like a creator coming in from the same side of things, yeah. so if you if you have someone saying, "Oh, I love this book," people will tend to say, "Why?" So it's a story about overcoming the situation. Yada yada yada. These are the story beats, and then they go, "That's fantastic. That's beautiful." No one will ever say, "Whatever." Mm. But if you say, <laughs> "I love this video game," it got to me on an emotional level, and really, I'm not going to lie to you, it's going to stay with me for the rest of my life, and may change how I view the world. People will say. Mm, it's a video game mate that's that'd be stupid that's like pac-man and things isn't it it's like you don't know what you're talking about mm. and the same with comics same thing or music or anything you can literally you if it captures you at that right yeah. moment at the right time which is why it's so hard to reignite yeah. that which is why you end up with people who don't understand or don't necessarily want change it getting older saying spider-man isn't doing this for me anymore I'm, I'm not feeling the same thing. Therefore, the comic is wrong. It's like, no, you've changed. You're yeah. an adult. You've moved on. Or you're not the person you were 10 years ago. It's not that it's... And again, it's it's not that uh, the changes are bad. It's that you're changing and you will find a different thing that speaks to you in the same way. You just haven't got there yet. But you're blaming the wrong things. That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And and again, this, this podcast, in essence, is challenging those smaller views that I think we've all yeah. been guilty of, myself included, of... You know, oh I, yeah, yeah. We all hold I, our hands. I call up. it box thinking. If you take a thing and you put it in a box and go, mm -hmm. is, so you can like Absolutely. comic books as an example. We can go like, oh, comic books. It's superheroes and capes. Nerds yep. read it. That's in that box. I don't need to look at it anymore. But as we've seen, like when you open it up and you go, oh, hang on, there is so much in here I didn't know, and it affects people's lives. Yeah. And it's it's everywhere in mainstream media now. And it's when you, I mean, mm. we've only been talking for a couple of hours and we barely scratched the surface, really. But Oh God, yeah. yeah but definitely. I think it's hopefully for the people listening who perhaps have never thought about it like this way before and never given it the time of day, mm -hmm. they might consider it. And you know, yeah. I think this this is a really just a pretty beautiful thing to talk about, man. I love it. Um, hmm. I want to ask quickly, Jack, do you have a favourite sort of comic book run or characters? Uh, Dick Grayson is my favourite. Ah, comic book okay, so both DC guys then. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, I grew up as more of a Marvel guy, but I, I transitioned to more DC as I sort of like I said when I went to that sort of uh -huh. teenage stage of trying to be trying to be cool. Um, <laughs> I failed, uh, but yeah, Dick Grayson is such a fascinating character to me. Going through, as you mentioned earlier, Matt, like he's been yeah. Batman. Like he 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 started off as little gymnast in his pants and his little pointy boots, yeah. being Robin and like the 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 forties and fifties and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> 
and then transitioning through to becoming his own hero in the 80s, becoming Nightwing, eventually becoming Batman later on, and even getting his own run called Grayson, where he's a secret agent oh, and yeah. stuff. Like He's had so many different versions and so many different iterations, and he's one of the few comic book characters, and we touched on this earlier, and this is why Dick Grayson stands out to me so much. He's one of the few comic book characters that has actually aged and grown mm. and evolved and changed over the decades. When he was Robin, he yeah. was a kid. Now, he's in his mid-twenties, something like that, probably. Obviously, age in comics is very weird. <laughs> yeah. Batman's still earlier. 33 the whole time. <laughs> ba- Batman's been 30, 33 to 35 for 80 years, yeah. so whatever. Um, but yeah, Dick Grayson, we've seen him grow and evolve and change as a person and have different relationships and different dynamics and take up the mantle of Batman and try and understand the responsibility that comes with that. And there's brilliant moments. So there's a run uh, called Streets of Gotham, which is when Dick Grayson becomes Mm. Batman. And there's a whole interaction he has with Jim Gordon, which is Commissioner Gordon, obviously, and and with the Joker. Mm. And he... You can't hear a comic book, but they imply that Dick Grayson is basically doing Bruce Wayne's voice. He's like mm. doing he's doing the Christian yeah. Bale like I'm Batman yeah. type voice. And very quickly, obviously, Commissioner Gordon and Joker are like two of the biggest side characters slash villain mm. to to mm. Batman. And even with the full suit and the Batman and like everything's covered up, all you can see is the chin. After like two sentences, the Joker says, "You're not my Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not him. You you are Batman, but you're not my mm, Batman." Yeah. And there's a brilliant moment where you know Bruce Wayne, Batman, and the Joker have yeah. this dynamic, and he's met Dick Grayson countless times before. You know, this is that weird timeliney thing of like the Joker and Robin have fought before, the Joker and Nightwing have fought before, as this character has yeah. aged up, and. He's such a great example of being able to really like challenge yourself in in hard times. Like his his parents are killed, and that's kind of his origin story. Welcome to comic mm-hmm. books, everybody. Everybody's parents yeah. get killed, and then they're adopted as an orphan and stuff. He he's a Robin. That's what happens. Um, and having that transition, like I said, being taken under Bruce Wayne's wing, and then what really really solidified him as a favorite for me is when he's Batman, he gets his own Robin which is Bruce Wayne's son, Damien. Ah. And you usually you have, like, very dour, serious Batman, and then fun-loving Jiminy Jillikers, yeah. like Robin, <laughs> who's like who's like a teenager or a kid, and being yeah. like, we I'm having all the fun, Batman. I'm on bright red yeah. and orange and green and all this silly stuff. Those dynamics are switched in that run where you see Damien, who has grown up, like, he's a kid with a very tortured past, like, he's... Uh, basically the son of Talia al Ghul. We're not getting into whole Batman. <laughs> he He's the son of Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul. She's essentially a bad mm. guy. And obviously Bruce Wayne is Bruce Wayne. So he's messed mm. up as well. And Damien is the dark and serious one who, who is often like a bit violent or a bit rude or a bit crass or whatever it is. And Dick is the one being like, hey, man, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't have to do it. We have, There's a better way of doing this. We need to... And shifting that dynamic for me really made me reassess like 20 years of reading Batman comics and being like, we have never... I don't think I've ever seen this yeah. before where, you know, the the Robin in this case is like the driving force of being like, yeah, we should kick those guys' asses. We should beat these guys yeah. up, whatever. 
and then trash transitioning over to you're not my batman from the joker him having to face that and then in my opinion he built out a great own story and legacy of his own yeah. he's now nightwing again because comics always reset to yep. the status quo yeah, but he's now nightwing again there's a brilliant run happening at the moment with tom king and bruno redondo there's the tom king is the writer bruno redondo is the artist there's a run on nightwing at the moment where he's off in his own city which he's been in before called bloodhaven so he escapes gotham and he's no longer really in the shadow of batman and he's off doing his mm. own thing and he's establishing himself as the savior of this city and bloodhaven is as bad as gotham it's full of murderers mm. and criminals yeah. and all this horrible stuff and he's like the shining beacon of light there awesome. so yeah and the current run of nightwing and the stuff i've read over the last 20 years Dick Grayson is one of my favorite characters of all time. And I want to just say, I think this is what's fascinating yeah. to me. If you talk to Jack and myself in our youths getting into mm. comics and ask them what their favorite run or character, whatever it is at that time, and then say, did you know in the future, your favorite will be, in my case, this this blind C-lister character in Marvel mm. and this Justice League character that people know what to do with because he's too over the top and too mm. weird and there's too many of them. Um, it's like, okay. I don't know how we got there, but okay. What about Jack? It's like, oh, my favorite character is Robin. Yeah. Because the thing was like, like Dick Grayson. It's like, it's like no, the, the the audience listening think, wait, the, as you say, the the whole the boy wonder, yeah. holy rusted metal yep. Batman. Yeah. It's like him. It's like yes, him over Batman. No, you mean Batman, right? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> and that's what when you get really into the minutiae yes. of it, because what you get introduced yeah. to is like, well, clearly my answer is Superman because I read that when I was seven, yeah. and that's true for some people, but. When you get mm. into the reason why you like a character mm. or like a story or like things written a certain way, it changes everything. Awesome. I don't know about you guys. I feel like that's an amazing place to kind of wrap things up. It's just <laughs> been an amazing conversation. I'm going to have so much yeah. fun putting this together. But um, I, I guess to close us <laughs> out, I'd love to give you guys the floor and just say to the audience, where can they find you? Tell them all about your amazing podcast and what you guys do. We are co-hosts on Sequelizers, which is a film podcast where we take the bad movie sequels from throughout cinematic history, we recast them, rewrite them ourselves, and basically read them out to the listeners mm. and to our other co-hosts, so me, Matt, and our other co-host, Tim. We take everything from, funnily enough, The Dark Knight Rises and Spider-Man 3 and X-Men Origins Wolverine, mm. all these superhero and comic book movies that we have redone and re-jigged re and recasted and rewritten over the years um yeah it's a lot of fun it's very creative for us to kind of come up with these new ideas and we've really built like a lovely community of listeners we have a discord server that is full of brilliant interesting funny people that are really really welcoming and lovely and i'm always very proud of our community which is nice as well um if you'd like to follow us we are sequelizers on all the social media on all the podcast apps and all that kind of stuff you can find us pretty easily sequelizers.com has the links for everything there as well including the monthly live streams we do on youtube featuring none other <laughs> than mr harley mumford over there so yeah if you want to come and hear me matt harley and the guys talk about christopher nolan speaking yeah. of batman then uh, yeah you can come and check out our live streams uh, all the archive stuff you can join us live on our youtube and find out the vod and archive stuff on our youtube channel on our website as well so all that good stuff it is it's what what jack said yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll second it because it's, it's a fantastic um idea for a show um and i want to give a special shout out to the guys over at unequal sequel both uh, dave and rich for mm, sort of putting yeah, us in definitely. touch and yep. 
you know, and, and highlighting it. And yeah, all of the stuff you guys mentioned. Aren't they just the best? They are. They? High <laughs> so don't be listening to this one. Um, yeah, really, really <laughs> great stuff. It's a wonderful idea for a show. You guys do an amazing job with it. Um, yeah. Right back oh, at you, mate. You. Thank you very much. Then, yeah, it's been really, really fun talking on this one. Break from film, but still making it about <laughs> films somehow, because that's what we do. <laughs> but Always. I'm really looking forward to yeah, so putting this one out. This will be episode 50, so it's a bit of a milestone. So I'm looking Ooh. forward to that. Looking forward to the live stream. I'll be putting links to all of it in the show notes for people to go and find it, as well as your personal Twitters. Um, all of that mm. good stuff will be in there. So all that's left to say, really, is just, again, a massive thank you to you guys for coming on. And thanks, thanks for having, having us on, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been really fun, really good. And there we have it. A huge thank you to Jack and Matt for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of all things comic books with us here at Fundamentals. I'm sure you guys would agree that that was such an interesting episode. It's actually the longest one I've ever done, but it was absolutely jam-packed with enthusiasm, with great recommendations, and so much information that I think you guys will really truly benefit from so once again a massive thank you to those guys for coming on the show if you've not already subscribed and checked out the sea prizes podcast and their youtube live streams which as they say i was lucky enough to be a part of one i highly recommend you do so i put links in the show notes you can go and find all of their work as well as their individual social media accounts and various projects that they're all involved with again i cannot recommend them enough and thank them enough for the time that they've given to this show I want to also give a massive thank you as always to the dedicated artist for this podcast who does the wonderful artwork in the logo and the Twitter banners. You can go and find Alex's details in the show notes. If you'd like the look of the logo and the banner for the podcast, by all means, reach out to him. You can commission him for your very own artwork and I can guarantee you will not be disappointed. And of course, I want to take a moment to say thank you to you, dear listener, for checking out this very episode. If this is your first time here with us at Fundamentals, Welcome aboard. Love to have you. You've got plenty of episodes to go through on the back catalogue with some incredible guests on some truly amazing and unique topics, all of which I think you will massively enjoy. If you are enjoying the podcast, then by all means, send some feedback my way. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via the links in the uh, the show notes. Basically, it's email, Twitter and uh, Instagram. They're the best ways to reach me. Anything you send my way, I will personally respond to and I will greatly appreciate. If you want to go one step further and support the show, there are a couple of ways you can do that. The best way is just to tell people. If you find this podcast, you love it, share it with a friend, share it on social media, tag me in it, all that good stuff. It goes a long way to promoting this podcast, as well as leaving reviews and ratings. Most platforms nowadays leave uh, five-star options, whether it's a review, whether it's a rating, whatever it is, I greatly appreciate it if you could do so. And if you have left me five stars and you've said a few kind words, then by all means, shoot me an email or a message. Let me know that you've done that so I can thank you personally on the show because I really do value the support. And of course, there is a uh, there's a merch link in the show notes. It's with Public currently. So if you like the look of the podcast logo, if you like what you see and you fancy having that on a mug, on a T-shirt, on a iPhone case and there's all sorts of stuff in there. There's really nice products. By all means, go and check it out. There is an affiliate link. And whatever you give will go towards the show and supporting me in the creation, distribution, all the stuff that I do. This is a one-man band, so anything you give me is really, really appreciated. And it will just go to helping make this show even better. 
Right, that's enough from me. It's been a long enough episode and I appreciate you guys sticking with me to the end. I'll be back again in a few weeks' time with a completely different guest on a completely different subject, one that will in fact be the 50th episode of the podcast. So until next time, stay tuned and stay safe.